When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back once again to America's Game. I am your host, Eric Vanek, and you can find me on Twitter at NFL. And once again, as always, joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Another week, Eric. Hope everything's going well with you. Episode 38 of America's Game. We are a month away. Uh, we're recording this late on Thursday. We're a month away from the draft. Literally one month from right now, we'll be prepping for the draft uh, starting here in a couple hours. So free agency's over, pro days are starting to wind down, and now it's just looking forward to what happens in the uh, the upcoming draft. It's kind of a month of more activity. I was going to ask you, have you noticed more, a little more activity in leagues now? People kind of like coming back to coming back down to earth, ready to make some trades, ready to start looking at their draft picks. I've noticed activity has drummed up a little bit, but other than that, kind of just waiting for the draft. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I've noticed that in a, in a few of our leagues, you know, the activity trades are picking up. Um, I got to send out emails to people and make sure, Hey, are you still going to be in the league? Can you, can you listen? Can you actually respond on group me or discord or whatever you use? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be back. And takes a little email just to get things going. So, yeah, getting a lot of people back into it. It seems like we're getting, you know, getting closer here to the draft, like you said. Month away, pro pro days winded down. Kind of wanted to get your take on. We we've seen, you know, the big four quarterbacks pro days so far. Anthony Richardson's was today. What did you think of um, all four pro days? I mean, I don't think anything's really changed from the pro days. Like, I guess you could say that more people are on Richardson now it feels like like I think people kind of feel like he's almost for sure going in the top 10 if not the top five and probably Levis is potentially could fall out of the top 10 just depends like it's I think more about the demand of how many teams are willing to come up for a quarterback you know if quarterbacks go one two maybe a team trades up to three and takes one then Levis is probably going top 10 just because there's the next one off the board is probably going to happen but if you know, let's say Richardson falls to four and there's nobody willing to trade up to three, then, you know, maybe a guy falls outside the top 10. And, you know, we've got some buzz that Hendon Hooker could even go in the first round, which I'll believe that when I see it, just because I think there's a lot of holes in his profile. But, you know, I'm I'm here for it. I, I'm, I'm good for Hendon Hooker going in the first. That just adds another player into the tier of what we would want for rookie drafts. So it just makes your rookie draft, you know, one player deeper and, makes those later picks, I think, a little more intriguing. Because right now you're kind of sitting thinking, if I don't have a top seven or eight pick, I'm not getting a quarterback. But if you add Hooker in there, even if he goes early second, 
to like Seattle or something, people will push him into the end of the first if they need a quarterback. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that just for the sake of the value of the rookie picks. But other than that, it's it's typical pro day stuff. Like everyone looks good. You know, everyone's arm is awesome. Workouts are always better at pro days. But, you know, it's just, just hearsay. It's just something to talk about. Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of the uh, Richardson one when I got home, just some highlights. And, yeah, he looked really good. Ball placement was really good. I saw him hit the uh, roof of uh, the Florida Pro Day, wherever the hell they were doing it. That was uh, pretty impressive, too, to see him launch it like that. But, yeah, I mean, Strouds was really good. You know, nothing too that, – that's a Stroud setting. He's going to perform well there. Bryce Young was – you know, it was it was good, but I don't I don't think it was the best of the four. I think that was, if you had to rank him, I'd say he's maybe maybe was fourth, maybe third. If you between him and Levis, I think Stroud and Richardson definitely quote unquote won the pro days. If you're looking at it that way, I thought Levis did really good too. I mean, he showed off a really good arm. We all knew he had a really good arm, so I'm excited for Levis. I think. You know, I see some stuff on Twitter. I'm sure everybody does about, you know, how Levis isn't any good and all that stuff. I don't buy it. Like, I think Levis is still a really good player. If he ends up in the right system with good coaching, he's going to be just fine. So I'm excited for Levis. And then Hooker, yeah, I would be interested to see if he does sneak into the first round, especially some of these quarterback needy teams. Like, I've heard maybe Minnesota could be a team that would take uh, a guy like that with their first-round pick and just kind of sit on him for a year. Obviously, they haven't um, extended Kirk Cousins anymore. Cousins is on a one-year deal, basically, so they got to be looking for something next year or they're going to re-sign Cousins. We still have the Lamar Jackson stuff that's sitting out there, which has been really interesting lately. He just um, asked for a trade a couple days ago, and we'll, we'll see what happens there with Lamar. Do you have any um, observations there about Lamar? I know you've kind of been following that pretty closely. Do you think he's going to end up in Minnesota, or where do you think his best spot is? I mean, I think right now you're probably not going to hear anything before the draft because there's so few teams that could be on on him prior to the draft. So just a little bit of extra information on this. So basically he, for the franchise tag, if he would have gotten the exclusive franchise tag, they could have traded his rights without him agreeing to the tag. It's the way I understand it. Uh, but going back and forth on Twitter, I learned that for them to trade him on the non-exclusive tag, which is obviously where they can negotiate with other teams or he can negotiate with other teams and they have to pay the compensation if he signs and the Ravens don't want to match. Uh, they can't trade his rights on the non-exclusive tag. So basically you can't bypass the the tag compensation and make another trade with him. He has to sign the tag first. Now, obviously he hasn't signed the tag first. So it's weird because he's not technically on the Ravens. He's just basically the, the property of the Ravens per se, right? Like his rights are controlled by the Ravens, but he's not under contract with the Ravens because he hasn't signed the non-exclusive tag. Because I'm guessing he's not going to want to sign that tag because he doesn't want to play for the $32.6 million or whatever. So if anything, they can't trade him right now because he hasn't signed that tag, but he can still negotiate with other teams. But obviously, if he's going to negotiate with other teams, they have to also give up the two firsts. So it's like it's it's a weird thing where, like, sure, anything could happen, but it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen before the draft. 
probably because there's very limited teams that would be involved with him. Because remember, you have to have your own picks to offer a deal to him. And if you don't have to have if you don't have your own picks, you have to have picks that are equal or better than the picks that you were slotted to have. So you can't like trade back in the draft and then offer those picks for Lamar. Now, if you had a higher pick, you know, like Philly, for instance, has a higher pick, you know, that they got last year from the Saints. Like they could technically offer that pick because it's better than the pick that they had. But, you know, that's not going to be a team to do it. So the, the long and short is there's not a lot of teams if you look at what picks they have and their quarterback needs that would make sense to even offer for Lamar. It's maybe three or four teams. So like there's not really many teams that would even be willing to pay like their picks this year. Plus, I mean, honestly, the teams that need quarterbacks, a lot of them are picking in the top 10, right? Atlanta, Carolina, obviously is not doing it. The Colts, like it's a, it's expensive for those teams to get Lamar because they're giving up a, you know, the Colts, everyone says, oh, he could go to the Colts. Like the Colts would have to give up the fourth overall pick plus next year's first. It's like, that's not going to happen. So I just don't think anything happens before the draft. After the draft, I think there could be teams that miss out on quarterbacks this year. You know, a team like Washington or the Titans or someone like that. That's like, yeah, we missed out. We tried to trade up. You're going to know probably around draft time who those teams were that tried to trade up, right? Like the Titans, Washington, those teams could try to trade up and get a deal done, but then they can't do it. Maybe that could then on the more. And then there could be a random team that we're not even thinking of where we think they're set at quarterback. Like you said, Minnesota. We think they're good at quarterback and then they just drop a bombshell and they're like, oh my gosh, they just traded for Lamar. And now, you know, it's just weird because you can't mess that stuff up, right? The Vikings can't be like in on Lamar and trying to get Lamar and then they don't and then be like, hey, Kirk Cousins, you're our guy. You know what I mean? Like you upset the apple cart a lot if you do that stuff out in public. So it's, I just think he sits there until after the draft and then obviously the teams that have their 24 and 25 first could offer those for Lamar if they wanted. Right. I, I think that's that a lot makes more the teams most sense. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes the most sense too, because if you look at it, okay, Hey, we get Lamar Jackson, our 2024 first and 2025 first are probably going to be, you know, if we're going to be a good team, we're going to be later than probably what some of these teams have right now, you know? So that's kind of what, what I'm thinking with the, with the situation as well, just basically how you laid it out. The teams are going to wait until after the NFL draft to make any, any move for them. Doesn't it still feel like Atlanta could be that team that's in on Lamar as much as they say they're not in on him, They probably just don't want to give up that eighth pick. Yeah, I think so. And Ritter's not the answer. Ritter is a backup at best. Well, like we talked about, they gave Heineke pretty decent money for, I mean, they Mm. gave him enough money to where it's like, okay, if there's any questions about Ritter, unless he comes out and just blows us away, this guy's going to play. Right. Like Heineke's going to get a shot. So it's like Heineke and Brissett both got enough money to where the the quote-unquote young quarterback they have is on like a three-game leash. And if he stinks, he's getting pulled. Or, you know, I think we talked about it last week too. It feels like if you think Ritter or Sam Howe is the starter – let me ask your opinion because I was thinking about this and I don't know which one is the right take or which is the right signal to look at. Is it just whoever was the best out of training camp gets the job or is it we might give the job to the veteran first because then we can go to the we can go to the young guy without a problem. But that would defeat that would kind of almost defeat the purpose. That's what I thought at first. Oh, Heineke's going to start. They gave him enough money to start, but eventually he's going to 
turn into a pumpkin and then they're going to play Ritter. But I guess my question would be, if those guys can't even beat out Heineke or Brissett to start the season, aren't they almost done for at that point already? Yeah, I think so. You know, it goes back to remember Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. Like everyone saw it clear as day that Russell Wilson was better than Matt Flynn, even though they just paid Matt Flynn all this money. So I think teams kind of look at it as, hey, who performs the best in camp? And we'll go with that guy. If it's close, it always goes to the veteran, kind of like Cam Newton and Mac Jones there for a little bit. You know, they just kind of gave it to Cam Newton. Um, but I think that the veteran... The, go ahead. No, go finish your point, because I was just going to ask you a hypothetical. Go ahead. So I think in, in a case of a tie or very close, it always usually goes to the veteran. But the young guys, if they're clearly the better player, then the team knows that they're the better player, and this Sam Howell, Ritter, whoever, gives us the best chance to win, then they're going to play those guys. I think that's that sounds like what the teams want to do. Like both both teams have kind of hinted that they want Ritter and Sam Howe to be the guy, but like as soon as you as soon as you bench Desmond Ritter for Taylor Heineke, haven't you basically just made a statement that he's not it? Because you know what Taylor Heineke is. He's a backup. He's a top forty quarterback, but like he's not a top twenty five quarterback. So to, to to pull the plug when you're you know, two and five, and you go to him, isn't that just essentially admitting defeat that we need a quarterback next year now? Like, if we're benching Sam Howell halfway through the season, like, he's done at that point, right? Like, he doesn't take back over because he developed more, you know? Like, this is halfway through his second season, and he's already getting benched. It's like, he's got to be done at that point. When you're you're putting in a six-year veteran that's bounced around as a backup, that like, that says the whole story right there. So I'm almost like, do they want to... Because I think we both agree, like, if Howe and Ritter aren't that great, eventually people are going to go, yeah, put that other guy in. At least we know he's steady. Yeah. So, For sure. I don't know. Do you want to get involved in those two quarterback situations this year at all? If they are what they are, are you just out? I have zero Ritter in my leagues. You already knew that. And I got a bunch, not a bunch, but like four or five shares of Sam Howe, and that was basically late in rookie drafts. I'm like, well, hell, I'll pull the trigger on this 312 on Sam Howe. Like, it it made sense to take him there, or I got him off of waivers in a few leagues, or they, we only had like three rounds of picks, um, and he wasn't picked. So the, those are my only Howe shares, and I'll just see what happens. Like, I haven't traded for him. I, haven't, I don't plan on trading for Howe or Ritter. I'm just going to see what happens there. And if they're the starter, awesome. I got a little bit of trade value, and I can move one of those guys, possibly. I just don't think the odds that, I mean, a third-round to seventh-round quarterback, undrafted quarterbacks ever become, you know, super stud starters in this league is is very slim, it seems like. So I'm always, you know, me and you have always been draft capital, draft capital, draft capital for these quarterbacks. If you're not in the least like the f- top fifty, maybe sixty picks, then I'm I'm probably not too interested in you. Yeah, and I think the other thing is because both of them were later round picks, they're actually always going to have doubt in the dynasty community too. Even if Hal's decent, people are going to go, man. If Hal doesn't take the 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 Washington Commanders to the playoffs, you know, if they go seven and ten and they're picking ninth next year, people are going to be like, yeah, they're a candidate to trade up and get another guy. 
Right. So like, it's really hard for these guys to seize the job and, and stave off a better potential prospect. You know, it's hard to, to basically be good enough. Like they have to far exceed their expectations for the team to go. All right, Sam, how's the dude? We're not even going to consider drafting one. So it's just, it's just a bad bet. It doesn't mean he can't be good. It doesn't mean he can't have a future as a starter, but it just feels like they're, they're already in the bridge situation where everyone knows both of those franchises need an actual franchise quarterback or need to take a shot on one. And it's like, they're just stuck in the, in a bad system at a bad time. You know, like I would feel much better if one of those guys was the quarterback in like Miami or San Fran, you know, like maybe they have a legit shot because the team could be good, but you know, both of those teams are maybe 500 at best. So like, just feels like they have an uphill battle for any sort of job security. And even if they do have a good year, let's say they go 500 and Sam Howe's decent and they're picking in the top 10 next year, though, people are going to be like, man, sell that Sam Howe, right? Because they're just going to draft right over him. It's like, it's not even like you're going to be sitting on an asset where you're like, oh, he's easily worth a first. And you know what? If he gets drafted over, there's no guarantee that another team goes, we need Sam Howe as our starter. Like he may never get another shot. So it's just it's a bad bet, like you were saying. So, I mean, right. we, had a, we had an episode where we were going to talk trades. I was going to ask you about Sam Howe, so maybe we can start with that. You want to intro uh, what we're going to talk about this week? Yeah, real quick before we get into that, though, just how I handle quarterbacks on my teams. Like, if I have a team with Deshaun Watson and Justin Herbert and maybe another third guy, you know, like a, a Jimmy Garoppolo type on my team, I usually don't invest like my second, third, fourth round rookie picks on those like mid tier quarterbacks that go in like round three, maybe end of round two, kind of uh, like Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond from a couple years ago. If I'm already pretty set at those quarterbacks, I'm not going to really invest in those guys. I'll go hit running backs, receivers, tight ends, whatever. Now, the teams that I want to do that on uh, maybe invest a pick or two on those types of players like Kyle Trask or Mond, and maybe this year it could be uh, Aiden O'Connell or Jake Hayner if he gets draft capital, you know, players like that. It's going to be on the teams where, okay, uh, maybe Daniel Jones is my one, Jimmy Garoppolo is my two. Like where I'm like, okay, next year the bottom could completely fall out on this quarterback situation. I need to take a few shots. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with those quarterbacks. I think, you know, right now we, we definitely have top four. I think that are going in the first round. We might have a fifth that goes in the first round. But yeah, if any of these other quarterbacks go in round two, round three, round four, Stetson Bennett comes to mind as well. Even like a guy like Dak Prescott, like I wasn't like too much on Dak. I don't actually don't think I drafted any Dak in any of my rookie drafts. But I want to make sure that they're on teams where, you know, okay, maybe my quarterback situation is just a little shaky. Like I don't have two locked in studs like a Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson, you know, a Dak Prescott and a uh, Joe Burrow, something like that. So that's kind of what I wanted the listeners to think about when you're making those picks for rookie quarterbacks and they're not one of the top tier brand ones. Like, look at your roster first 
and be like, man, do I really want to take this shot on Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell from last year? Like, does it make sense for my my team? If not, you know, just take another running back. Take a, a tight end. The tight ends in this class are absolutely insane. Uh, maybe one thing we can talk about um, another podcast, but this tight end class I think is really going to change up the dynasty tight end ranks quite a bit. I mean, there's legit seven, eight, you know, tight ends coming into this class that are going to be moving up the rankings quite a bit, and they're going to be moving some of these older guys or guys that are not so good down the the list, kind of like the wide receivers have done the last couple of years because there's so many wide receivers that come in. So I'm really interested to, uh, in this tight end class for sure, just because it's going to change up the uh, dynasty ranks. Yeah, and your point about quarterbacks is is well taken. The the only thing I would say is I would be more apt to use picks like third round picks on quarterbacks versus seconds because like I'll give a plug to Cody and Chase. They just did an episode uh talking about quarterbacks, the new show on Bob DD, the overreaction pod. They talked about quarterbacks and how like right now in Dynasty quarterbacks outside of the top tier guys, they're almost like one big jumbled tier to where their value is more of they're a starter or they're not a starter versus what their actual dynasty evaluation is. I think people have started to realize that whether your name is Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill or Derek Carr, like you're pretty much like a year to year guy, you know, like quarterbacks that are in that average or below average range from an NFL standpoint are subjected to every year they could get moved around or a team could move on like the Raiders did on car or they could trade Rogers like the Packers did. Like none of those guys are really, you don't look at them and say three years from now, I'm guaranteed to have a QB two. Gary, you could have a guy that's not a starter anymore. Look at James Winston, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield. Like those guys could start, but they might not. But three years ago, you'd have been like, Oh, they have so much pedigree. They're going to get four or five chances. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think teams like if they don't like you and you've hit free agency or you've been available for be to be traded a couple times and like they don't signal that you're a starter, it's kind of like you're just a body, you know, and like sometimes we're a little slower to, re- to react to the guy as a backup when we don't think he should be. But, you know, like we have a hard time accepting Jameis Winston as a backup, but he's probably a backup until he has a you know, an eight game stretch where it's like, okay, he's going to get another shot. Same with Sam Darnold. Like he's probably a backup now he's in a good spot. But I think the point is they mentioned on their show that like, if I told you, Eric, what is Russell Wilson really worth in picks? And it's probably what a late first. Yeah. I was going to say a late first, like one, but if he's your QB two, are you trading him for one twelve? No, because I need him. And that was their point was like, sure, the real evaluation on what is Mac Jones worth is probably not a first unless he's your QB two. And then you're like, I just can't trade him. I know if I have Mac Jones as my QB two, I know he is not worth the one Oh five. Right. But if I really want to get a quarterback back and you're not willing to trade me one, I almost need like the one Oh five or one Oh six, or I'm not getting one. So, like, my motivation to trade him would be far, far below what his, like, kitchen or KTC price would be. So, like, you just don't see trades where people are just selling. Now, the circumstance where you were talking about, if I have Mac Jones as my QB3 or 4, okay, now I'm willing to sell for probably what his market price would be. But if he's my QB1 or QB2, A, I'm probably in trouble. 
but B, I'm just probably not willing to sell. Even if you're willing to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to meet his KTC price. I'm going to pay 20% more than what it says it's worth. And you're just like, nah, man, I can't sell him. So their point was, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that you can just go buy for a second. Even though you're really, you're really telling me Kenny Pickett's worth a first. No, but no one's selling it. I mean, you talked about it last week. I think like that, not worth a first, but people laugh at you if you try to get them for a second. So really, it's just the context that matters in those trades. And that makes me not want to draft, you know, Aiden O'Connell with my 209. Because it's like, what is the best case scenario for Aiden O'Connell? Sam Howe? Super Bowl champion. Okay, besides that, I shouldn't use that name because I know you'd literally get super excited. He's the next Kurt Warner. Let's say Stetson Bennett. You're hoping Stetson Bennett is like Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell, right? Are those guys, um, yeah. we just talked about it, are those guys ever going to be worth a first? No, they'd have to come in and completely smash, and neither of them did. But they would probably, wouldn't you agree, for Sam Howell to be easily worth a first, he has to come in and like have a 30-touchdowns season where no one questions his job, right? And yeah, then still exactly. they might question his job. If the team isn't good, they may go, oh, man, we need to draft a better quarterback. Like, same with Brock Purdy. It's why I've been selling Brock Purdy, because I just don't see a scenario where people are just throwing around first for Brock Purdy. And he's in the best situation you could be in, and he played as good as you could have expected last year, and people are still like, oh, man, I don't know if he's worth a first. So my point was, I don't want to spend a late second on a quarterback. I would rather take the the quarterbacks that fall to the third and use those picks. So long way of getting there. I don't even want to spend seconds on quarterbacks. So if someone's, if someone's yeah. taking that Stetson Bennett, cause he goes in the third round and they're taking him at two Oh eight. I'm good. Now the only types of quarterbacks that I would want to invest a second round pick in is like when Jalen hurts came out and he has the threat to be a thousand yard rusher every single season, or at least, 600 700 yard rusher if he can do that i'll be more interested to do spend a second on him but guy like aiden o'connell who's not going to be running for 700 yards rushing okay i can see that i probably would rather spend the third on him so i agree with that so what's his draft capital have to be to take like a dorian thompson robinson in the in the second what would his draft capital have to be like third yeah he'd have to be a day two pick so if he goes in the fifth you could give a shit if he rushes yeah, like I think I can pick up that guy maybe with a fourth or fifth round rookie pick or wait till waivers. You know, we've seen those guys come and go. Like, I, I don't think he's that good anyways. But he's probably going to get on a team like, you know, that has a rushing quarterback like the Eagles, the Ravens, or, you know, teams like that that have a rushing quarterback. He's going to get a shot to be, you know, the third string quarterback or developmental guy. You know, it's kind of like Tyler Huntley, same thing. You know, it happened to him. He just kind of waited around, finally got his turn, and he was a rushing quarterback at Utah. So, yeah. And what you shouldn't do is draft guys like Carson Strong that are undrafted free agents. Is that just an absolute waste of a pick? Yeah. Shout out to Evan, who did that all the time. Uh, was taking him in like round three, and we just laughed at him every time. But yeah, don't be don't take any undrafted player in round three. I don't care if it's Justin Ross and he signs with the Chiefs or you know Carson Strong. Oh, Carson Strong, he was a uh, mock to in the first round back in in December. 
I'm gonna. I, I need some Carson Strong. No, just don't do it. Don't draft any undrafted players. I don't care if his last name is Moss and his dad is Randy. Yeah, we learned that one. People taking Thad Moss in the third. Some people even late second, even though he was a UDFA. So that was a. Uh... Yeah, there's been tons of examples of those. I mean, sometimes some draft classes are better than others, but there is always, I mean, those two we just mentioned from last year, Justin Ross and Carson Strong, they got drafted in almost every draft, sometimes high, uh, not even the fourth, but the third. And you're like, dude, you're really taking them over a, you know, third round NFL pick. And it doesn't even mean the third round NFL pick, but I mean, even you would have taken like Velas Jones over Justin Ross, right? Because at least he got draft capital. Yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, like me and you last year, we've talked about it a hundred times. Second, third, fourth, fifth round. We were just pounding the running backs. We didn't care who they were. We were just getting shares of all of them. I was not interested in any of those wide receivers um, in that range. Even if they went in like round two, I wasn't really too interested in them because I didn't think they were that good. Well, and also with the running backs, the reason you do that is, okay, let's say... I won't say Aiden O'Connell because I know you think he's going to go in, you know, like the second or third round or whatever. I don't know what you currently think on him, but I won't use that as an example. But let's use a quarterback in this year's tweet. class. You saw the uh, getting all these visits. I like get with it. With half the it. league. Let's, let's use um, let's use Jaron Hall. Okay, Jaron Hall is a guy that could go in like round three or could go in round six. I don't know. But he was a name that some people knew. So he will get drafted in drafts if he goes in the fifth round. You know what I mean? Some people will draft him. But, like, here's the thing. So why would you draft a guy like Jaron Hall if he goes in the fifth round of the NFL draft? What is the best-case scenario for him on your team unless it's just one of these leagues where you have a taxi and it's 35-man rosters and you just literally are putting players on there? But if there's any sort of, like, restriction or – you know, no taxi squad, like our USFFL league, no taxi squad, 32 man rosters. Like what is your best case scenario with drafting a fifth or sixth round receiver or a fifth round quarterback? Cause like your, your best case is honestly, I mean, it's, it's, it's an injury like Dallas. What happened with Dallas Romo gets hurt and Dak, the fourth round quarterback ends up playing pretty decent in the preseason and ends up starting. Like, I think that's your best case scenario. Well, okay. But like Carson strong, wasn't even the backup. They could have had three injuries. He wasn't playing. So, so what are you, my point is it's the same with receivers receivers. There's a lot of good receiver profiles, but we know there's going to be ones that you're like, wow, I like that profile in college. I like that Rakeem Jarrett, but he went in the sixth round. Why draft him? What are you hoping for? At least with a running back. And you and I were drafting Abram Smith, Kennedy Brooks. But you know what? Those guys are very easy evaluations. You know why? They don't make the roster. Where do they go? The waiver wire. And you know that week one, if they're making the team. Rakeem Jarrett, if he's a sixth round pick, he's going to make the team. But he might be the sixth receiver and never see the field. So, like, you're just going to sit on him for a year. And with a quarterback especially, like, the odds a quarterback has a rookie that's a day three pick comes in and contributes is so low. It's almost like you, at least with the running back, I'm going to get a really quick resolution as to whether I'm going to want to roster him or not. Quarterback, I'm, I'm sitting on Carson Strong for three years. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, he must not be any good. Well, yeah, that when he was undrafted in the third-string quarterback, that should have told you everything you needed to know. Why would you hold him for two more years? 
I think that's the biggest that's that's the biggest thing for me. That turning that roster spot over is way more important than the player I picked. I can take ten shots with that Kennedy Brooks slot. If I drafted, mm. you know, Justin Ross, I he used he occupied that spot all year. As soon Big as difference. you got, uh, as soon as Justin Ross went out for the year, you just immediately dumped him. You didn't even keep him and put him on your IR. I, well, that that's just part of my OCD, but. You know, I also knew that, guess what? Guess when you have to cut rosters down, Eric? Beginning of February. Was anything different with Justin Ross in the beginning of February than beginning of September? Right. No. So, I mean, the, you know by the time you have to cut down, it's not like you're going to get some groundbreaking information that Justin Ross is now smashing on the side, working out on his own, you know? Like, just, you know, essentially just clearing clearing the clutter out of the room that's all it is so. yeah and like you said you you get that resolution on the running back spot quicker and then like you said our usffl leagues do you really want to be holding on to uh the jaron halls and stetson bennett's and jake hayner's all year long oh yeah sweet i got three potential lottery ticket quarterbacks but you know in best ball and there's no taxi squad those guys are getting me a zero every single week when i could be picking up um a Khalif raymond who ends up you know be coming into your lineup maybe once or twice a year you know nick westbrook akine same thing okay he's on my waivers oh but i can pick him up drop this jaron hall who i know is getting me a zero and westbrook akine goes out for two for 115 and a touchdown and that ends up being in your lineup that week. So you don't want to clutter your roster with a lot of those types. You can maybe have one or two you can afford, uh, but you can't be having like three, four, five, six of those guys. Yeah, and the last point is, you know what? When you do have that and you have a couple of those roster cloggers, even in best ball, once you get some sort of positive information, let's say a guy like Jaron Hall was drafted as the backup somewhere. And he actually won the backup job. You know, he beat out some Nick Mullins or something like that. That's possible. Brandon Allen in Cincinnati beat him out. Sure. But he beats out the backup that's been in the league for 10 years. And you're like, oh, okay, so maybe he's okay. Maybe the team trusts him to be the backup. That's a good sign if you have a quarterback like Jaron Hall. As soon as there's the injury, though, and he's going to start, guess what you need to do? You have to have the discipline to just dump him. Yep, so you can't be like, oh man, I hit on this Jaron Hall. I'm gonna try to ride out these couple starts because guess what? As soon as he's not the starter anymore, he's worthless. Yep. Like 100%. the only time someone will want him is when it's like, hey, Eric, Jaron Hall's starting this week. Okay, maybe I'll give you a third. But as soon as he's not starting, you're not gonna go, man. Let me go buy some Jaron Hall because he's gonna get another shot to start. So it's like it's a it's a self-fulfilling move sometimes because the ones you're going to want to move are the ones that are never going to have any value until you don't want to trade them. So you got to have the discipline to be like, as soon as I draft Jake Hayner, if he ever gets in there, I got to have the discipline to just sell. And sure, I got him for, you know, the 408 and someone's willing to give me two thirds. Okay, done. And don't even sweat it. You know, just move on, take the picks, take the profit and move on. Like, don't. Don't sit there and envision this world where they just become way more than what you thought. Because then you just end up getting stuck. Yep, I agree with that 100%. All right, Scott, 35 minutes in, <laughs> just like we planned. And we're going to get into our main topic now. So this is episode number 38 of America's Game. And we wanted to kind of look at Keep Trade Cut and some other places and come up with like 38 different trade ideas that we could come up with um, that people could make right now and 
you know, basically actionable advice that you can go out into your leagues and try right now. Some pivot down ideas, some pivot up ideas. Um, so me and Scott, we're going to kind of basically go into that right now, and we are going to uh, take a look at that. So, um, yeah, we'll do that and see where it goes. So you want to start um, at the quarterback spot? Yeah, so these are going to be kind of rapid fire. They're going to just be yeah. court trade ideas that Eric or I have. Uh, hopefully we get some discussion out of the type of trade. It's gonna, A lot of the trades are going to look similar because there's only you know so many positions that you can make 38 trades out of. Uh, but just trade ideas, pivot up, pivot down, tiered trades, trades within the same tier, trades going up a tier, going down a tier, liquidation trades. Like there's a lot of different type of moves. Uh, we'll talk some best ball. We'll talk non-best ball. Uh, we'll talk different formats, that kind of stuff, just to give some context. And the idea is I like shows like this because it gives me ideas of things to try on my own. Like I don't need someone to tell me, hey, go trade this player or you should be buying or selling this player. It's more of the this the idea behind the why that triggers me to think about potential trades that I can make. Like, okay, this player fits kind of what they were talking about. Let me go see if I can make this type of move with that player. And sometimes it works. So I let's start with quarterback, Sam Howe. Right mm-hmm. now, Sam Howe is your QB4 on one of our USFFL. So it's best ball. 32-man rosters, different premiums, but he's your QB4. Knowing that's Debbie depleted, so we'll just say just Debbie depleted 36 or whatever our, you know the, the average mm-hmm. is for our USFFLs. Debbie depleted, would you sell Sam Howe for a 204 Debbie depleted this year and a future second? So two seconds for Sam Howe if he's your QB4. Oh. Yeah, easy. I was just thinking one second, to be honest. I... Like that's a good counter. Do you think someone would sell him for a single second, though, given the Devi depletion? I think so. Yeah, I think I would be willing to. Okay. Uh, maybe not like the two eleven, two twelve. Like at that point, I might as well just see if I can get a little more. But if somebody offered me like the two hundred four, even in Devi depleted, I I take that risk for sure. Okay. I mean, that was the first one. Now, this was best ball. Mm-hmm. Does it change if it's? not best ball because I know I traded Sam Howe in, in one of best ball leagues. Uh, and it was a similar situation for me. I believe it was uh USFFL two. Cause I made the deal with Brandon and I essentially traded Brandon Sam Howe. And I believe he just gave me a straight up second round pick for Sam Howe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To where 24 second. No, it wasn't with Brandon. It was with Brett. Brett and Ben. So second round pick for Sam Howe, 2024. And I also, in my QB room, have Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, and then Quinn Ewers. So essentially, I could probably sell Quinn Ewers for another starter if I wanted. But in that circumstance, best ball, trade number two. Would you have done it with my roster, given that I only have two technical starters this year? Yeah, that's kind of what was going to be my next question. I don't, I don't mind it. I think what you did was fair. I don't think I, I hate it too much. I was kind of thinking. Now, what if you're, you know, your quarterbacks were were okay. What if like Jimmy Garoppolo is your two, and Sam Howe is your three? That one kind of seems to me like uh, I'm a little shaky ground here. I might want to hold on to Howe unless I get a, you know, a really high second round pick. I mean, optimally, I want to have at least three starters in best ball. Right. So Same. that did go against me having three starters. I mean, it helps that, you know, I have Herbert, but 
yeah, I mean, my team is pretty much built to, to the format where, you know, it's I, I, I win against the grain a little bit at running back because that's one of those leagues where you don't have to start, you know, a required number of running backs. You only have to start one. So I went against the grain and kind of built running back heavy. So I probably should look at an offer where I give up like Quinn Ewers plus to get an actual starter this year because of the way my team's built and the risk of, quite frankly, the risk of Debbie quarterbacks. A lot of times we count guys like Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, like people value them as like their top 30 dynasty quarterbacks. And the reality is they might not even ever get there. Right. Especially when they're that far away. You know, there's a couple guys like right now I'd probably put Caleb Williams in my top 10 and he's not even in the NFL yet. You know, there's guys, there's going to be guys that come around just like that. I mean, I think him and May are probably on a different tier, but I'm honestly outside of those two, any other Debbie quarterback right now, if somebody's willing to give me an NFL starter, I'm going to consider it just because there's so much risk mitigation in that. So I think that's the difference. So it's two trades, one in the best ball, one in lineup. And it sounds like you're, you're on board in most cases, just depending on, you know, mm-hmm. in lineup, are you more likely to do that, though? Just because your QB3 matters much less because you can only play two where you're not catching from one yep. of three every week instead. Yep. And then, like, like we talked about a couple weeks ago or last week, you know, there was almost uh, there were 68 quarterbacks that played last year or something like that. And it's usually in the high 50s. There's going to be a chance where I can get somebody off of waivers and just use some fab. You know, there's an injury to, you know, Dak Prescott last year, and Cooper Rush is available on every single waiver wire. There's going to be times during the year where you're going to be able to get a guy or two like that as well. So, um, Cool. You got one? My one yeah, my, my one that was interesting to me when I first looked at this is right now C.J. Stroud is quarterback 9, Bryce Young is quarterback 10, and Anthony Richardson is quarterback 14. Uh, so Richardson maybe not, but Stroud and Young are already valued, according to KTC, above Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. Would you be willing to sell, you know, if you have the 102 or the 103 draft pick right now and go and offer it straight up for Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott? For me, Stroud, Young, and Richardson are QB 10, 11, and 12. It's okay. ridiculous to have any of the three over Deshaun, in my opinion. Agreed. That's crazy. I, we, I, You and I would pay the 102 or 103 or 104 for Deshaun Watson all day. I don't think Easy. anybody's doing that. There's still a, a bias against Watson because of, yeah. you know, people just, uh, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. People don't like the guy. So there literally isn't it. People are drafting him lower simply because they don't like him. I know he was a little bit bad last year, but you know what? There's been other quarterbacks that have been bad. Dak Prescott yeah, like, was not good last year. Justin he, Herbert wasn't good last year, but he's still QB five. So like the three above him, um, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar and Fields. I think Deshaun's better quarterback than all three of them. And put it this way. There's no reason he should be outside of the top nine. I think we both agree with that. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. wouldn't trade the 102, 103, or 104 for Kyler Murray. Why? Why am I giving up the young guy, the guy that's about to get drafted in the top five of the NFL draft for a guy that's injured that people don't okay. already like? I do think there's going to be a window to buy Kyler Murray, but if I have the 103, I'm not sending that for Kyler. and I'm not sending it for Dak. So if you have Kyler right now, though, would you go send him to the 102, 103, 104 owners and see if you can get that deal done? Yeah. I, th- I think I would. 
and you know what? I think if you have Kyler and, you know, for me, I kind of look at it like more like a portfolio too. I may have Kyler on a couple teams where I kind of want to have Kyler, mm-hmm. but you can make the same argument for having a rookie. Like you're not expecting the rookie to win anything this year. So like, I think they, they fit on the same type of teams, right. but yeah, I think, I think until the draft is over, I'm not rushing to go and sell my top four picks for Kyler Murray. Now people may look at that and say, that's a mistake, but I, I'm not in a rush to buy Kyler Murray for that. I'll pivot yeah, up to I mean, Kyler Murray for a a lower pick and a lesser quarterback. That's how I want to buy my Kyler. I don't want to buy my Kyler by here's my 102. You know, no thanks. The, this is the lowest Kyler Murray has ever been in his career value-wise right here, right now. This is the lowest point. So, I mean, he, he could definitely be somebody that you can try and go out and buy too. If you can get him for the the 105, you know, that might be Will Levis. I, I'd be willing to do that. I'll give up the 105 to get Kyler Murray if somebody's willing to do that right now. Yeah. I don't know how many that, people would, but I mean, I, that's I'd even... Probably, that's probably I'd the line right in, there. Yeah, I'd even throw in a, a second, honestly. My 105 and 205 for Kyler. Here you go. I'd do that. Yeah. I think I like that. 105 and lower add an asset instead of giving up. I... Listen, I don't want to give up one of those top four picks. I just don't. If I right. do, I'm valuing it as like a second round startup or higher. And I think okay. a lot of people will go, as soon as I come to you with my 104, you're going to go, well, that, I'm taking on all the risk. Yeah, sure, you're taking on all the risk, but I'm holding the top five NFL pick quarterback. So I'm not just going to, you're, you're going to buy some of the risk from me. And you'd have Stroud, Young, and Richardson all above Dak as well. I think they're right in the same tier. I think that's a tier, but okay, you know, I, I would be more apt to pay for Dak than I would Kyler. I don't think I would give up the 102 for Dak because I get my choice. Mm-hmm. 103 is probably spot on. 104, I'd be okay giving up because then I'm basically stuck with whatever they leave me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that's how I would delineate those out. I think it's all kind of the same range. I value those picks very similarly. Put it this way. If I have the 104, I'm not paying you to move up to the 103. Right. But I understand why someone would value the 102 or 103 over the 104 because they get to choose versus I just get stuck with whatever's left for me. So I can see both sides where you would pay one of those for Dak, but uh, just not Kyler at this point. Okay. So trade five. We've got a couple how trades, a couple rookie QB trades. Uh, Trey Lance. So yeah, Trey Lance, well, I can see the argument for Trey Lance because I don't feel that his career ends without him getting at least a chance. Now, it might be a half-assed chance where he only gets, you know, say he gets traded and then he goes somewhere and they give him like a half a year worth of starts and then they're just like, yeah, this guy's terrible. But he's going to get a chance. Don't you believe that? Someone is going to give him a chance at some point, like a real season or a half a season at least of starts to see if he like unless he just completely screws it up he's going to get an opportunity don't you think yeah absolutely he's gonna get a chance for sure so where do you slot him in right now would you give up not i don't want to say the 105 because i think that's obvious 107 Mm -hmm. i think is right on the fringe but let's say 107 that's where i would slot levison in a lot of leagues 107 Trey Lance, Jordan Love. How would you how would you decipher those three right now? You get your pick. 
And let's assume mm. the top six is exactly what you think. The three quarterbacks, Bijan, Gibbs, and JSN. So it's probably, you know, Levis, the best player on the board at 107. Well, wow. Where would you I be think at I would with those go, three? Right now I'd go Lance, Levis, Love would be my, my three there. Okay. Any consideration for where your team is, given that Love is probably almost assuredly getting his year this year, whereas Lance and Levis might not? Yeah, I think you could definitely consider that. I just I just think Lance and Levis are better players than Jordan Love, personally. Um, we've seen Love have a few starts, and they not, haven't been great. Like It's not like he came in and you know threw for 400 yards or something something crazy like that like his starts have just been mediocre at best so i've kind of like i've seen that sample and i would rather take my shot on lance or will levis who i've you know liked pretty much all year okay so from a talent standpoint you think it's levis right from a market standpoint it's definitely not levis right it's probably lance wouldn't you say the one guy that has a chance that people just fawn over him, it's probably still Lance, right? Yeah, agreed. And then Levis is kind of like a or Jordan Love is kind of a mix of both. Like mm-hmm. nobody really likes him that much, and I don't think he's probably as talented as or as flashy as Lance. Mm-hmm. So it's like he, I can see where he would be third, but I don't know. I think honestly, the biggest driver of those is who is the asset to where. In six months' time, people are paying $350 in an auction startup, 35% to get. It's probably it's probably Trey Lance, isn't it? If yeah, everything I, went I, right, I, that's I'd, the guy. I'd put the same order that I had before, Lance Levis, Love, in that case. Okay. And, and I've been anti-Trey Lance. I've been like, all right, it's time to get rid of Trey Lance. Everything's signaling from San Francisco is they don't really like Trey Lance or, you know, he's just not going to mm-hmm. be given – Put it this way, I don't want Trey Lance's shot to probably be with San Francisco because it feels like they might give him like a four-game stretch, and if he's not great, they're just like, yeah, we're putting Brock Purdy in. Yeah, and you got to think Sam Darnold's there too. So you Sam Darnold could definitely come in and, and be really good. This is going to be his first system where he's with a really good coach in Kyle Shanahan who's almost been like a quarterback whisperer a little bit and has turned guys around and had their career years with them. You know, Brian Hoyer had his best career year with um, him in Cleveland. Matt Ryan had an MVP season with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we seen what Brock Purdy did last year. Jimmy Garoppolo has had really good seasons, led them to a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, if Shanahan gets with Darnold, like, I, I kind of want to buy some Darnold. Like, if I have, like, a 209 and I can buy a Sam Darnold on a team where, you know, like, Garoppolo's my second quarterback, I'd, I'd be willing to do that and buy a little Darnold and see what happens. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen with Trey Lance's value? He wins the starting job and then doesn't play well when he starts. And then they take him, they bench him for Brock Purdy. Then I think right. people go, man, he's cooked at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you almost want him to either start and keep the job, which I think will be very hard given what we know they like about Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, I still think for Lance is he gets traded and someone else gives him the chance. It just, it just I, feels like even if he wins the job, Eric, they're going to find a reason to put Brock Purdy back in. And it's going to signal that Trey Lance got benched. Even if he doesn't play bad, 
it's going to be we just we do, we're we're winning, but we don't like how we're winning. So we're going to put mm. Brock Purdy in. It's like it just feels like it's inevitable that he is getting benched again at some point, even if he wins the job out of camp. I just don't want to buy into that. That's why I'm selling him. Right. Okay. Another one that's interesting to me on this list is right now he is quarterback thirty-two, and that's Matt Stafford. I would definitely take Stafford still over Sam Howell and Ritter. Uh, trying to think of looking at some of these other guys, I'd probably rather have Garoppolo. I'd rather have Rogers, Purdy. But would you be willing to, um, you know, sell your Sam Howell or Ritter if you have them, and and see if you can get Matt Stafford back? Maybe sell your Baker Mayfield and get Matt Stafford back. Yeah, I would take Stafford over those guys. I was thinking Tannehill and Stafford are pretty similar too, don't you think? Where everyone knows they're yeah, kind I think of on their did. last legs. Yeah, I think you could do the same thing with Tannehill. I agree. Okay, so let me ask you this: You added those in. I agree with uh, taking those guys over Desmond Ritter or Sam Howe. But another trade involving Stafford, same thing. He's your QB two. Would you sell him for a second? No, I don't think I would, especially if he, if he's my quarterback too, right now. So what if what if my counter argument would be if Matt Stafford's your QB two, you're probably screwed. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so it's like if you it it's more of you being in denial of the fact that you're probably screwed versus what what you should take in a trade. I mean, he had obviously injuries plagued him uh, last year, but. He can still throw for forty five hundred yards and forty touchdowns again. Like it wouldn't shock me if he came out this year and did that. With Cooper Cup, he's got Allen Robinson, Higby, whatever they draft. Like it's probably unlikely, but it's not like that far off from what he probably could do if everything works out and he's healthy and all that. Like him and Cooper Cup, you could argue that's the best combo in the league still. Yeah. I mean, what if you go a step further, and I don't think you'd probably make this trade right now, but you might have to pay a small tax. So say it's a it's a best ball league, and Stafford's one of your quarterbacks. Maybe not even your QB2. Let's just say he's your QB3. But you have a team set up where you need three quarterbacks. So maybe it's like you talked about earlier. Your QB1 is Russell Wilson. Your QB2 is Jimmy G. Right. So you're looking at it like, man, I don't even have a top 15 quarterback. I just hope I have three starters and the floor could fall out from under me after this year. Right. Would you pay Matt Stafford and a third to get Hendon Hooker right now? And you have no clue where he goes. He could go in the third round and never start a game. But he could also go in the first, and now you're sitting on a quarterback that's worth double Stafford. Would you take that risk right. now? I think you could, yeah, just because Stafford is on the back leg of his career. He's 35 now. So I think you could do that. Like, I'm not the biggest Hendon Hooker fan, so it's not like I want to really invest that much into him, but I could see it here. Like, Stafford's obviously had some injuries. You know, he could be really good this year, like I said, and and be back to the 4,000 yards and 35 touchdown Matt Stafford. Or he could just be hurt all year. The Rams are dog shit again, and he ends up back, you know, as a four and thirteen Rams again. And then you get Hendon Hooker, who could be a first round pick to, you know, let's say Minnesota. 
he sits behind Cousins for a year, and then he's throwing to Justin Jefferson the rest of his career. Yeah. So how about it, a it, tier it, even a tier even lower? Mm-hmm. Tannehill in a second or Hendon Hooker? I think I would go. Yeah, and you're the best. You're the best ball team contending with Tannehill in a second. So if if it goes wrong for Hooker, you've just knocked your team out of pretty much any shot. Yeah, I think I would go with Tannehill in the second because I don't think, I don't think Hooker's that far off from being a second round pick himself. Like if he goes in the first, he's probably what the one, one oh nine, one ten, one eleven, somewhere in there. So he's not that far off from being a second round pick, anyways. So I think I would rather have Tannehill in the second there. Yeah, and that gets into some of these process quarterback trades, back to what we were talking about earlier, where how many quarterbacks are actually worth a first versus if you can make that trade when you're trading basically QB2s and you're getting free mm-hmm. picks on top. I'm almost like, man, just give me the guy. I don't need, I'm looking at a guy like Tannehill, Stafford. All those guys are one-year bets. So if you're willing to give me the extra pick, then I'm willing to kind of pivot down or up based on what the market says. But I thought that's interesting mm-hmm. because you could – you could absolutely smash that trade if you got Hendon Hooker and he went in the first round, you know, because all of a sudden he's now like a top 15 dynasty quarterback and you got him for Tannehill in a second. Right. So, interesting. Another one that I like too, and I know things can change on a dime, but don't you think Derek Carr has at least two years in New Orleans? Like, he's doesn't he doesn't seem to me like he's just a one-year quarterback. Like, they're going to give Derek Carr at least two years minimum, if not more than that. Yeah, his contract says that. Right. And the other thing is this is a team historically that has kind of refused to, to tank or punt. Mm-hmm. So I don't so, think they're viewing this as next year we're going to punt and go replace Derek Carr. You know, I, I think they probably right. ride it out a year, a little longer than they probably should. Hell, you can debate they shouldn't even have gone for a guy like Derek Carr, but they continue mm-hmm. to, you know, dig the hole deeper. So, yeah, I think he gets at least two years. But go ahead with your trade, and then I have a counter rebuttal on Derek Carr because I think it, the KTC price on Derek Carr is very mispriced. Okay. My thinking with Carr, though, is if you trade for him and you give up one of these guys who are looking like the one-year guy and that's it, Kirk Cousins, I think he gets another job somewhere next year, so I'm not going to throw him in there. Geno Smith, there's, I mean, the Seahawks have been at every single pro day for the quarterback so far, and it wouldn't shock me, hey, Anthony Richardson falls to them at five or Will Levis at five, like, that they consider it. You know, Mac Jones, I think I think Mac Jones, I kind of consider with Derek Carr, I think Mac Jones is still really good. He just had a bad offensive coordinator last year who didn't know what he was doing. Aaron Rodgers, one-year kind of wonder guy, or uh, not one-year wonder, but one-year contract guy. Garoppolo, that could be a one-year. We talked about Atlanta and Washington and the Rams and Tannehill and Tampa Bay, all these situations. Like, I kind of want to see if I can get Derek Carr and get that little bit of security while giving up one of those guys. And then, you know, some owners might be willing to say, Hey, you know, give me, um, give me Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr, you know, and you might be able to get something back with Derek Carr. You might be able to get like a third round pick, something like that to get, um, Derek Carr. I think his security. So you're buying just a little bit of the security. Okay. So let's say you're trying to make one of those deals with me. 
and I'm willing to take the very, very bottom. So like Tannehill is probably the very bottom of not that great a fantasy quarterback the last couple of years. And he's probably at the very bottom in terms of like job security, right? He's going to be 35 years old. He probably gets another shot, but like he could easily be a guy that's in backup range in a year, you know? I mean, would would you believe me if I told you right now Ryan Tannehill is almost 35 or he's going to be 35 going he'll into the season? He'll be 35, yep. When the season I starts, mean, he'll be 35. It doesn't so seem here's like the, he's that old, but he is. He, here's the trade, though. This will really put your car, uh, you know, your, your car evaluation to the test. You mm-hmm. want my car. I'm willing to take your Tannehill. I think you'd be motivated to make that deal. You're trying to send me Tannehill in a second for car. Mm-hmm. I'll give you Tannehill in the second. You give me car in the first. Is the first second swap worth the potential extra year of security to you? Mm, probably not, no. But you'd give a second with Tannehill to get Carr. Right. Or you do the, I give up Tannehill in a second, get Carr in a third. Can't well, I would try reject that. that. Too. It'd, it'd be right. at least Even a second. A- Right, but right. you would do the second. You would give the two for one, but you wouldn't do the two for two where you have to give the first. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and so, if you're selling, try for the two for one for the first. I'm willing to do the deal where I get the first. I'll take on the risk at quarterback with Tannehill versus Carr if you give me the first, because right. I figure, hey, that first I can maybe go buy a quarterback back easier versus like you're probably not buying a quarterback with the second. So I think if if someone's trying to fish around in those types of trades. You want to buy those guys where you can get out of the one-year quarterbacks for just a second plus, like Sam Howe in a second for a car. You could do something like that, and you're doing that all day. Yeah. But if someone else wants to do it, insist on the first-second swap. Because I think a lot of trade calculators will say a first-second swap is equal to giving a second straight up. But you and I would much rather have the first. I'd much rather have the first banked and not have a second than just get an extra second. Right. I agree with that. So, so you said um, you didn't think Derek Carr was rated correctly. Do you think that's he's too high or he's too low? I, I mean, I think he's probably too low when you factor in that, you know, you have basically you have a guy like Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones. Like, if you really think Derek Carr is getting two years, like, why is why is Kenny Pickett worth, you know, basically like an added added pick to get Derek Carr? You know what I mean? Like all you're betting on Kenny Pickett is he has a longer career. Mm-hmm. But do you really care about Kenny Pickett having a longer career if he's QB 25? No. I think in, in point per carry, I'd like Pickett more than Carr just because Pickett can okay. run a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's league specific, but... I, I agree with you. I think they're kind of the same. They probably put up close to the same numbers with the same kind of weapons. So I agree with that. At the same time, like what pick would you trade straight up for Derek Carr in this year's draft? Knowing the other person ain't taking the 201, 112, 111. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go. Like the 111, 112 would probably be my, my high spot on them. I mean, because in here, Will Levis is above Derek Carr. So you'd have to give up. 107, 108 to get car. I assume you're not doing that. No, I would rather have the pick, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that Do you think do you think Jared Goff is too high on here at quarterback 20? 
I don't know what to think of Goff. I don't have any of them in any of my leagues, so I don't have to make this decision, but I don't I really had know one share and that was in the sleeper league we just drafted and I literally traded him within one day. So I was like, <laughs> you know, it was uh I think he's probably you know what he is? I think he's probably in like his Shanahan situation right now. And if you remove him from that and you put him on like the commanders, you literally couldn't notice the difference between him and other quarterbacks people hate. Mm. Like, don't you think he's kind of being propped up in like a really decent situation for him right now? Good offensive line, good weapons, team that lets him play within himself. And it, it just feels like he's he's definitely worthy of being a starting quarterback. But, but to sit here and say he's clearly just better than all these other quarterbacks that are valued ahead of him, that I think is chasing last year's points and production a little bit too much. But I will say, I mean, what is Jared Goff? He's 28. Like, he's going to get multiple opportunities. He yeah. may never get the keys to the car again, but he's going to get multiple other chances where it's like, okay, we're going into the season with Jared Goff as our starter. Now, he may have a rookie behind him, or he may have another guy you know, like a Heineke or someone like that, that could be in short term, just as good. But I think he gets multiple opportunities. That's why he's valued a little higher. So I think if you're willing to go, speaking of car, I think if you're willing to go from golf to Tannehill or Stafford, you might have a better chance of getting that first, first and second swap. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think if I you're mean, willing golf to go. Like, had some really good fantasy games last year. He was yeah. multiple times in the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks for a week. Yep. I think if you're willing to go golf or cousins to one of those guys, you have a better shot of getting it done than if you're trying to do car or the guys that are a little bit below. So I think that's probably the line golf and golf and cousins. I think you could do the first and second swap. Okay. Any more quarterback ones or should we go to running back? We didn't really talk any like high end quarterbacks, except for the rookie question you have, but I, Oh, uh, okay. I have one from that came up in the discord yesterday that maybe you can address here a little bit too. Are you willing to take like two of these guys that are in the, what we consider the top 10? So let's say you take, you know, Justin Fields and Dak Prescott to move up to get Patrick Mahomes. Are you willing to trade two of those guys to get Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen hurts? Okay, let me just specify. For me, I don't put Dak in that range. I think he's a tier below. Okay. But I get these questions all the time. We get these questions constantly on like trades in five or people DM me and they go, man, I got I got Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson. What what should I pay to go get Mahomes? I'm like, dude, your QB room's fine. You know, like someone offers me, someone sent me a trade the other day and it wasn't my trade, but they sent me a screenshot of a trade and they asked me what I thought about this deal and it was basically they're giving up Joe Burrow a first and a second and they're getting back Jalen Hurts and I'm just like like what why are you pivoting from you know Joe Burrow plus and why are you using your first and your second rounder just to go up and get Jalen Hurts it's kind of like that's probably not what your team needs to be spending their extra assets on or resources. And if I'm in that top nine tier, and maybe I'm a little rigid with the top nine tier, everyone doesn't see the same thing with in terms of how they would tier their QBs one through nine. But if I have one of those nine, I just don't have the motivation to move around in that tier. Like that's not where I want to use my assets. So I think it's that simple. Like, no, I, I'm not 
I definitely wouldn't do two top top nine quarterbacks even to get Mahomes. It'd have to be like the most perfect situation ever, where maybe I had three of them or something like that. But typically, no. If I have like Fields and Watson, I have no motivation to go pay a bunch of extra picks or players on top to go get one of the top two or three guys. Just no motivation at all. And speaking of motivation, Destination Debbie is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. So we're going to take a quick break here from Underdog Fantasy. We'll come back with more trades, talk running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Hey, Destination Devi listeners, Eric here of the America's Game podcast, and hopefully by now you've heard that Underdog Fantasy has partnered up with Destination Devi. You want to get in all of these year-long best ball contests and compete with Ray Garvin, Ike and Gene of the Off the Line Fantasy podcast, Adam and Mike of 4D Chess, and Scott Connor and myself at the America's Game Pod, well, now is your chance. If you sign up with the code America's Game, all one word, you will get a 100% deposit match up to $100 free by Underdog Fantasy. The best part of that, though, if you deposit at least $10, you will get access to the Destination Devi Discord for free. You'll get it for one full year, and now is the time to do it right before the NFL Draft and get all those goodies that are going on right now in the Destination Devi Discord. And right now, as we know, it is tax money season. Are you getting any money back? Why don't you take $100 and deposit it on Underdog Fantasy, and you'll get a free 100 from Underdog, and you'll get access to Destination Devi. There is no better deal going on right now than that. So use that promo code America's Game, once again, all one word, and sign up today. Now, back to the show. All right, so now we are back. We're going to talk about running backs. And, man, I know me and you have talked about it in the past. Like, running back is just, like, not the position I want to be buying right now. But just looking at some of these running back prices... Is there anyone that stands out to you that's maybe just too high? Like maybe Tony Pollard? Do you think he's too high at running back 11? Yeah, I think the the typical like redraft is dead zone of running backs is a little too high because essentially they're being priced a little higher because people expect that they're going to have either a good situation, good volume, good offense. Like There's a reason people want those guys versus the players that are down a tier or two. Yet, if you told me that their situation or their opportunity was going to be equal, I wouldn't really care who I had. And I don't want to go all the way down to like the very, very bottom, but like you, you literally see what is what is the difference between, you know, Leonard Fournette and Jamal Williams. The, the only I'll difference is one ha- one got a contract and one has a job. That's it. All right. So now, smart managers are not going to sell you guys like Leonard Fournette for nothing. But I'm sitting here thinking about like, man, if I can sell from the, I mean, if I can sell the Jamal Williams, the Deontay Foremans, the Samaj P. Ryan's, we talked about this last week when guys signed, like, you know, can you pivot down to the guys nobody wants? And really all they are is just a, a running back worth at most a second that has very, very short term opportunities. So I, I kind of honestly look at you know, I'll, I'll buy some Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott. I think you agree with those. If you can get them for less than a second or you can get two of those guys for a second, I would do that. Yeah, like That's I where I want to buy. I don't want to buy the Jamal Williams, Samaj P. Ryan. People are start talking themselves into Samaj P. Ryan's going to be a starter. 
Right. It's like, dude, he's I if I have him, I'm not selling him for less than a second. But you know what? Like, he's gonna be a starter. I'm like, come yeah. on. So, I, I think that that's the exploitation at running back. It's literally selling from that dead zone, and literally selling the ones that people are like, oh, I can project that guy to get some good opportunity. It's March. Mm. You know, opportunity can change it. We haven't even had the draft, and people are already talking about, oh, you know, this guy's gonna smash. This guy's got a great situation. Buy that Samaj AP Ryan Eric. He's gonna get 200 touches in that Sean Payton offense, and that's like, dude, it's Samaj AP Ryan. He was almost out of the league. Yeah. What do you think about Tony Pollard, though? Do you think he's a little too high on this list? Uh, I would say yes, but then you look back at top Pollard's historic efficiency. Like he's been like a top ten running back his entire career in terms of point per opportunity. So I think it's just you can't project the massive volume for Tony Pollard, so you get scared of him. But the reality is, if Tony Pollard gets 200, 250 opportunities, and that's not touches, that's opportunities. So like targets plus carries. If he gets 250 opportunities, he has a really, really good chance to be a top 12 running back because he's always been that. So yeah. I think him and DeAndre Swift are in the same boat. Like, I think they're probably overvalued. Yet, like DeAndre Swift, for instance, top five running back in points per opportunity in the NFL right now. And people just say he's not that good because he's not going to get a lot of opportunities. But that's his evaluation. Yeah, Your evaluation on DeAndre Swift is, well, I don't know how many touches he's going to get. Okay. But I'm saying if he gets 250 opportunities, he's got a really good chance to be an RB1. Like, he has a better chance to be an RB1 like David Montgomery does. And mm-hmm. Montgomery could get 50 to 100 more touches than Swift. I'd still take Swift because his 250 opportunities could be 85 to 90 targets and 70 catches. I don't care if he gets a carry. I don't care if he gets a red zone touchdown. Like, he's going to score points. And what if he lucks into some touchdowns or lucks into a Montgomery injury where he gets three or four games of 20 plus touches, then all of a sudden, like you smashed. Yeah. Like, uh, same thing with Kamara and his prime, you know, he wasn't even getting a thousand mm-hmm. rushing yards. He'd get like 800, but he was just smashing with the receiving. So yeah, I agree with that. But do I want to, do I want to pay the market price on Tony Pollard or DeAndre? Smith? No, no, no. But I, I think the talk of all oh, they're buried, all oh, they're dead, you know what I mean? Like Swift is dead. I mean, yeah, he you know what he's dead? He's dead in relation to what you thought he could have been three years ago when you thought he could have been Marshall Folk. Right. I mean, speaking of that, like Javante Williams is still RB thirteen. If I could trade my Javante and get DeAndre Swift, who's RB seventeen plus like a third, I'm doing that all day. I'll take Swift over Javante. I would do it straight up. Yeah, I I probably would do it straight up too, to be honest. I agree. I would do it straight up. And I, I think the funny thing about Javante Williams, he was never that good. He's he's big and slow that just happened to get decent draft capital. Yeah, and he was young. He was what, twenty years old when he came he's in? He's young. He's young, yeah. yeah. He's only gonna be twenty three next year. So not even next right. year, but like he'll enter twenty twenty four, he'll be twenty three years old. But do you care about age for a running back? I do a little bit, uh, but I don't. Uh, Does I don't age matter for... when your knees are destroyed? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't care for multiple uh, knee ligament tears. I don't like those in my running backs. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you kind of look at you look at Javante. What was his expectation before? I could have understood a uh, really high expectation before. Like, he's at least David Montgomery, if not better. But now I'm kind of like, you know what, if I can move off of Javante, there will be windows where you can buy him back. And I also think because he's going to be a 
now what will end up being a fourth year running back, probably before he's ready to go fully. I already know what the end, what the dynasty community does with a fourth year running back. It's mm-hmm. not be that high on him unless they've been absolutely elite before, and he's never going to be anything close to that. So I'm just selling him now if I can get anywhere near that kitchen sink value. Right. Okay. Um. Let's see some other ones here. What about now, simple ones? What What about just real, real basic, straight up liquidation trades? One for one. You have one of these running back rooms where you're carrying 15 bodies. Someone comes to you. Someone sends you a random offer. We can even say it's a small point per carry league. Someone sends you a random offer of a 2024 third. Well, let's make it even more intriguing. 2023-307. And you give them Jalen Warren. You accept it? Yes, I would accept that. So you you're he's the type of player that you like him, but you would you would take the running back in this class over him. Yeah, and especially you're getting the profit on him, and that's the profit I'm talking about is I picked up Jalen Warren off waivers for free mm-hmm. in pretty much every single league, and now I can cash out on him finally for a third. I'm taking that profit. So yes, I would do that. Okay, someone sends you two thirds for Alexander Madison. Yeah, I would do that, especially if they were on my auto accept trade block. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm trying to think of examples where someone might be interested in the player because it has to be a player someone's interested in. It can't be right. Oh yeah, sure. Someone sends me a third for Dearness Johnson. Of course I'll take that. Well, no one's interested in them. It's got to be a player right. that there would be a reason why someone would go. You know, there's somebody out there saying. I just heard a show the other day. That, I won't even say where, but it was a claiming to be a dynasty show. Mm-hmm. And what did they say about Alexander Madison, Eric? Just wait till they cut Dalvin Cook, and he's going to yeah. be the bell cow. And I'm like, yeah, when I when I hear that, you know what pops into my head? Like a 2% chance that that happens. And I wish those people were in my league, or at least the people in my league are listening to that type of analysis. Because yeah. you, can, you can buy that Alexander Madison all day from me, but... Someone might want him. He's the kind of guy someone will go, hmm, let me go see if I can quote-unquote buy him low. And I'm going, please, someone buy him from me. And you know what that 2% chance means? That hmm, means it's there's gonna a 90, 98% chance that Ty Chandler is going to smash. Huh? That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, you know what? And you could probably get Ty Chandler thrown back into the deal. Or that the player oh, makes the trade yes. with you and they cut Ty Chandler. Oh, yes, that would be great. I would love that. Any other um, names you can think of that are like easy flip? Can what about Rashad Penny? We talked about him. Would you would you send Rashad Penny for the two thirds? Get knowing what his offense is right now. No, I think I would like to keep him if I can get like a a mid to high second. I think I would sell him just one. But I think in that offense and the way his efficiency numbers look. He just needs the opportunity to, if he stays healthy, like I think he could be a a league winner for somebody. So I kind of want to hold on to him. I don't want to give him up for just like two random thirds. Um, one that I was going to mention was Damian Harris. Now he's on Buffalo. People are like, oh, Buffalo offense. Damian Harris is going to do good. I'd be willing to sell him for the two thirds. Interesting. So you're in on Penny, but out on Harris at the same price. Yeah, just because I think Penny has 
that game, I don't want to say game-breaking ability, but just his efficiency numbers running the ball are, you know, top 10 in the league when he's healthy. Damian Harris, I just don't think he's ever getting to that, you know, that level of Penny's where Penny is at. Okay, so I counter you. Mm-hmm. I give you Rashad Penny. You give me Damian Harris and a third. I think I'd be willing to do that, yeah, just because I like Penny's upside. I mean, it's probably it could go either way on that, but I just me personally, I would rather take the shot on Penny just because of that offense. And Miles Sanders is gone. He's only got Gainwell and Boston Scott now. Trey Sermon's still there, too. And Philadelphia always likes to draft a running back or bring somebody in. So there's that possibility as well. But I just think um, I think Penny, if, as long as he's healthy, man, he's got a really good shot to be um, a top 12 running back this year. Where same, I don't deal see with, uh, same deal with Madison? Would you take the Penny over Madison in the third? Yes. Yep, I would definitely do that. And and they have Madison above Penny on here, which I don't agree with. Hey, anybody out there listening have Rashad Penny in the league? Go check Eric's running backs. Yeah. See if he got some, about, he's got Madison or Harris. Here's here's one that I I would actually like to buy because I think people are way too low on him just because there's the rumor of a suspension. But look at this RB thirty four Alvin Kamara. No way. If if I can get him anywhere near where these people are at um, around him right now, like Madison, Penny, Antonio Gibson, Devin Achain, Damian Harris are the first five people behind him. Like, if I can just... I I would give up a, a draft pick like Gibson and a, a second to get... or a, like a third to get Kamara. Okay. I, you, you can't see Eric. You can just listen to him, but I... Uh, yeah, Gibson in a second. I, Gibson is the guy for me I would buy. Yeah, Gibson would be fine too, but I, I was just pointing out the guys that are below him. But I, I mean, I would buy some Camara at this at RB thirty four. Like, just look at some of these names above him. Like, I'd easily take him over Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, Khalil Herbert, AJ Dillon. Like, I take him over these guys easy. I I think that's the biggest takeaway from this exercise. I mean, people are probably sitting here going like, you guys are debating Rashad Penny and. Damian Harris and Alexander Madison trades. I think when you get probably to RB 12, 13, 15, somewhere around that range, right? Where you got like Dobbins and Chubb, Henry, Swift. I mean, there's a couple that are mixed in there that probably don't fit the criteria, but let's just say top 20, top 24 ish running backs. Everybody after that, and quite frankly, some of the guys inside the top 15 too, but definitely in mm-hmm. the top 25, they, right. they are simply only valued for what their immediate opportunity outlook is. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no other value. If I told you that all of their opportunity went away tomorrow, you would go, that guy's worthless. I don't even mm-hmm. want him. And, it, and honestly, that almost goes to some of the guys in the top 10, like, People can sit here and say, oh, Austin Eckler's great. Josh Jacobs is great. Najee Harris is good. Only for as long as they produce. There is no asset value in any of those guys. Right. The only guys with asset value are honestly like maybe the top three or four. Walker, Taylor, Brees, ETN, Bijan. Like those are the only five. Maybe Jameer Gibbs is fits in there too. Like those are the only running backs where I could tell you they can have a couple hiccups in terms of their opportunity and they'd still kind of keep their value of where they are. 
everyone else, it just feels like if you took their opportunity or their situation away, they're they just fade away, kind of like Camara. So like you're mm-hmm. you're talking about Camara, but I think what's happened to Camara is, okay, sure, he had a bad season last year. He's getting older, but it's also people don't really like his situation, and people don't really like you know the suspension stuff. That's it. Mm-hmm. So True. it's just very then... weird. Like running backs are not assets anymore. They are literally. I view running backs on my team as what can you do for me right now. Mm-hmm. So. If you look at Josh Jacobs, though, his last couple years, his stats, like Derek Carr throws the ball to his running backs quite a bit. He threw it to Josh Jacobs quite a bit. Like, I think he's going to be able to use Kamara just like Kamara has been used quite a bit in his career. He might not be the 80 catch Kamara anymore, but I bet he's still going to get 60 catches. I'll still take that on my team, especially at RB34 prices. Sign me up for some Kamara. Okay, so what's the Camara for Josh Jacobs pivot look like? Knowing you're just making a bet on opportunity, would you sell Jacobs for Camara in a first? Yes, I think I would. Camara in a second? No, I think it'd have to be the first. Just like you're looking at Jacobs as a top ten asset right now, and where Camara is valued, I think you can, I think you could justify that. So you give up Jake. Jacobs in a second for Kamara in a first. Would you do it? And let's say your second is the two oh four. No, I think I'd rather have the two oh four. It was like the if it was like the two ten, okay. I think I can get behind it. Or a twenty four what if it's a twenty four second and Jacobs for Kamara and the one eleven. Uh, yeah, I I don't think I'd mind that, or I wouldn't even mind doing the twenty four first for twenty four second, and swap it that way too. It's a good idea. I don't have mm-hmm. much Camara, but like if you're looking for some, sometimes in leagues it's hard to do these leverage deals where you get two for ones and people throw you picks. Like that's not flying in a lot of our leagues, you know. Right. So like you need to be creative and be able to be willing to fade the players that other people want or the players that look like they have the ability to score you a lot of points. If you want to get draft capital, smarter dynasty players are not just giving it away like candy anymore. Like you have to be willing to go against the current sentiment of, I think this is, I think Josh Jacobs is in line to have a big year and Alvin Kamara is in line to be suspended all year. You kind of have to fade that narrative to find a way to get, get some pick value. No one's just going to hand you draft picks. No one's going to hand you a first and Alvin Kamara for Josh Jacobs, unless it's a, you know, start eight or start nine league where they just throw around picks because, you know, picks don't matter that much because it's so shallow. Mm-hmm. Like a lot okay. of our leagues, no one's giving you those kind of deals. So you got to get creative. Yep. Another one on here that I would sell is Miles Sanders. He's at RB20 right now. And there's a bunch of guys behind him I'd rather have. Like I'd rather have Rashad White. I'd rather I'd probably still rather have Dalvin Cook. Pacheco. I'd probably rather have Pacheco, yeah. Montgomery. I think that one's close. Aaron Jones and and Sanders are probably close. So yeah, there's a few guys in here that I would rather have over Miles Sanders. And I think people look at Sanders new, you know, backfield with Carolina. He's the lead guy right now. He's still going to split time with uh, Chuba Hubbard there, and they might even bring somebody else in because they were talking about bringing back Foreman. So I wouldn't be surprised if they add a third guy there. But if I could sell some Miles Sanders right now before the draft and pivot down to a Rashad White, a Pacheco, a Dalvin Cook, I would do that. 
So what's the uh, what's the deal look like if you're pivoting down to a kind of a non-guaranteed opportunity running back? So you're not even because I don't think if you send Miles Sanders, anybody's just giving you Camara plus. Like right, you, let's say that. you pivot down to. I a think running it, back. I think that's just the name value. Like if I pivot down from Miles Sanders to Tyler Algier, I think I could probably get. You know, I give up Miles Sanders in a third to get Algier in a second. You're going down from Miles Sanders to Khalil Herbert. Miles Sanders or Khalil Herbert in a third. Because they're honestly, they're kind of in the same situation as we yeah. speak right now. You're just more confident think, probably in Miles Sanders' situation because he got a contract, right? Right. I agree with that. And I, I think I in that trade, I would take Herbert in the third just because I do like Khalil Herbert quite a bit. So that's a probably a me personally kind of th- a deal. But I could see somebody hesitating on that. But I, I, think, I think Herbert in the third is fair. How about a guy right around Khalil Herbert? What about AJ Dillon? Same thing. Would you take Dillon and Dillon in the third? Yeah, I would take Dillon in the third. Yep. Uh, let's go a little bit further. How about Jamal Williams in a third for Miles Sanders? Yep, I would take Jamal in the third. Okay. I mean, it, what you said was he's a little overvalued, and these trades are mm-hmm. essentially. Do you just look at the guy you're getting back as like a one for one replacement on your roster? Yeah, I mean, just looking, you know, down, like I said, Miles Sanders is at RB20. Go to RB28, 29 is Cam Akers and Joe Mixon. Like, I'd easily rather have Akers and Mixon over Miles Sanders. Even with uh, the thing you posted about Mixon today, that he might just be cut after June 1st. Um, Joe Mixon's going to find another team to go play with. There's plenty of coaches that have been around these Cincinnati guys where Mixon can pick up a job. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about Joe Mixon. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is if Joe Mixon would have been on free agency this year, what kind of deal would he have probably got? Probably one like Jamal Williams or Miles Sanders. Yeah, probably. For sure. So it's like your people are literally just fading the fact that, well, he might not be the starter on the team that he's currently on. So I don't want him. So that leads me to another one on Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders or Lenny Fournette in the third. Because now, now the guy you're getting back, you're like, man, that guy might not sign until the season because apparently no one mm-hmm. wants him or he wants too much money. So I I haven't heard a word about Leonard Fournette. Have you? No, I haven't heard one. I would stick with Miles Sanders on that one. So that's too low? Yeah, that would be too low for me. Um, trying to see of like a guy that's not on a roster right now. That I mean, I would, would, you, would you swap like a guy that's technically on a roster right now, would you swap like a P Ryan for Leonard Fournette? Yeah, for sure. So you'd, you'd rather have the Fournette side? Oh, no, I'd rather have the P Ryan side. I thought that was what you meant. Okay, so you would do P Ryan for Fournette and a third. Or would um, you rather have the guy that has at least a job lined up? Yeah, I think on that one, I think I would take Fournette and the third. Honestly, huh. um, just trying to look and see. Like, I mean, Fournette's guy. running back sixty three. Yeah, like he's below James Robinson. Yeah, who was cooked last year? He's below. I mean, why would Fournette be below Isaiah Spiller? Yeah, he's below Michael Carter. 
How about RB60? I can't believe he's that low. Like, I think he just had an injury-plagued season, and he could easily come back and be a top 24 running back this year. You're talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Yep, and everybody hates him. That's another guy you could probably get pretty cheap right now that there's no reason why he can't be, you know, a top 24 running back again this year unless somehow the Chiefs get... Bijan Robinson. Like I, I think if even at thirty one they took Jameer Gibbs, like Edwards Hilaire is still gonna have a role on the team. Like it's not gonna be Jameer Gibbs for twenty carries out the mill or Pacheco or whoever. Like So you I would still, sell... I still think Edwards Hilaire is gonna have a you know, a decent season. So you would sell Jalen Warren for Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean Jalen Warren's ahead of him in KTC mm-hmm. by Eight yeah. spots. Yeah, I, I like Jalen Warren, but, you know, if I can get Edwards Alaire in a fourth for Jalen Warren, if somebody's willing to do that, I'll take that free fourth and, and Clyde. Like, you know, these tiers that we're looking at right now, like, it's just one huge giant cluster. Like, we don't know. Like, the outcomes for these guys are just, they range, there's so many different ranges for them, you know? And you know what's funny is a couple of guys I've been drafting a lot this offseason in startups is RB69 Raheem Mostert and RB72 Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. And I know those guys are one year and then they could be retired. But are you really taking Kyron Williams over those guys? No, I would rather have the veterans, yeah. I mean, are you really taking Hassan Haskins over those guys? No. I mean, the, they're literally, these are guys that have never done anything. And it's like, yeah. at least I know Mostert and Patterson can be really good, even if they only play like four games. Like if you can buy them for, I mean, essentially they're being priced as they're they're barely worth third rounders. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't like buying those guys until the season, but man, I'll, I'll collect Mostert and Patterson, especially because I, you know what? I know their teams that have them, want them. And they will have a window of time where they're given opportunity. Now, are both those guys likely to get hurt? Probably. Yeah. But it just seems crazy that people are literally saying, yeah, man, I'd, I'd rather have that Pierre Strong over Cordero Patterson. Like, really? I agree with that. Anyway, let's move to receivers. We're done talking the, the bottoms of the running backs at yeah. this point. Yeah, I agree. All right, so you wide receiver... Take a look here. We won't bother with too many tight ends. We're at uh, 27 trades at this point, so we won't even bother with tight ends because there's a, there are very few that we could talk about, maybe one or two. So kind of back to our um, some of our discussion earlier. You, so you think JSN is probably going to be the 105, the 106 in most leagues? Man, it sounds like there's a lot of people that are – you know, pumping him up as he's clearly the wide receiver one in this class. Not even close. There's no chance anyone else could be better than him. Even if he's like the third or fourth off the NFL draft board, that's what I think's funny. It's like he's clearly the wide receiver one, yet, you know, Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers could go ahead of him. Hell, one of those guys could go 10 picks ahead of him, and we're just so certain he's the wide receiver one to the point where I saw a poll the other day, and it was JSN. It was JSN over Amon Ross St. Brown and JSN over T. Higgins without even mm. blinking. Are you taking him over those two? No. 
at, at the same time, do you think both those guys are kind of peaked in terms of what their value is going to be? Yeah, probably. So couldn't you argue that you, if you want the potential, like all he has to do is be pretty decent to be what those guys are from a fantasy impact, right? Mm-hmm. Like, couldn't, couldn't you argue giving up one of those guys for the rights to draft JSN? And then in six months, you're glad you have JSN because he's, you know, the next CD lamb and you're, well, you, you basically pivot it up without really having to pay the tax. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see it that way too, but I mean, just, I'm just looking at these rankings like Stefan Diggs, Cooper cup, Devonte Adams. Like I'm taking those guys for over JSN right now. If you could, if I could trade the, if I can trade the one Oh five straight up for Diggs or cup or Adams right now, I think I would. Interesting. Okay. Wouldn't you? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there's enough steam with JSN that you got to get some JSN just because I think that he's one of those players that I, he's almost a, a richer version of what Juju was after his first year. It's like mm-hmm. people just love him. People love him, and they're already convinced that he's awesome. Like he has to do very, very little for people. I mean, to go, I just yeah, named three 100 catch guys every single year. Diggs, Cup, Adams, like I, I agree. I'm just, I'm just telling you that KTC has him at wide receiver 14, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you can take. Maybe this changes over the next month or so, depending on where he gets drafted and where he lands. But I don't necessarily think you can go. Definitely not sell your Cooper Cup or Devonte Adams to get one of those picks to get JSN. But I think you'd even struggle to say. You know, I'm going to sell that Amon Ross St. Brown, T. Higgins, Devontae Smith. Like, I, I think there's people that go, I'm not giving – because here's the other thing is you probably to secure JSN, you probably got to get the 104 or the 105. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if there's people that are – especially somebody that might need so, a quarterback or JSN. I don't know if they just do it. Okay, so the 105 is sitting there. JSN is and Gibbs are there. Let's say the quarterbacks all go there. Would you take – do you think you can get a plus on top of, like, digs? Can you get, like, digs and a third for JSN for the, like, one of the rights to draft JSN? Can try. Yeah, like, I'm getting a free pick and I'm getting a 100-catch guy and digs, cup, Adams, especially if you're a win-now team. Like, I think, I think the hard part about that trade is the optics of the trade make it hard for the other person to pull the trigger. So, for instance, 105 or 105 or digs in a third, and 105 is JSN. Mm-hmm. It as soon as you send that offer, the other person knows exactly what you're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like they know you're trying to essentially fade a receiver that you're about to draft and try to get a super productive one, and you're getting the sweetener of the third. Like, if I send you that, you know exactly what my objective is. I'm not hiding it. Right. So how do you get a deal done like that? Because I, I bet you if you send that 105 for Drake London, Devontae Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, T. Higgins, a lot of people decline that because they just don't want to trade away something they know. Yeah. Yet in three months, they'll be going, oh, yeah, I got JSN over T. Higgins. What are you yeah. talking about? It's not even close. I'm like, well, you didn't. Well, what What has changed now between now and then? All they want to do is they don't want to buy into any uncertainty. So I, I think you can easily get one of those guys if you're sitting on the 105 right now. I think you can go get any of those receivers you mentioned. You could probably wow. you might even be able to get Diggs in a second. Definitely Adams and Cup in a second. 
And it sounds like you would have almost done it straight up, but if you can get a second on top, you probably smashing I, that, yeah. I probably would have had to pause the podcast and drove to the AT&T store to get a new phone, smashing my phone, that smashing that accept button. Yeah, if you're in a league with Eric, he's giving away some of his evaluations on this one. Okay. I mean, I think it depends on your team makeup, though, too. Like, if you're a win now or you're, you know, at least a top six team and that puts you over the top or at least, you know, as a contender, I think that's definitely something you do. Now, if I'm on a team that's in the bottom of the barrel and I ended up getting the 105, um, and, you know, and I'm not competing this year, then no, I'm not going to do that. I'd rather have JSN. But I'm just saying that's more for teams that are on the fringe or are a contender. You can go ahead and do that. Are you Are you willing to pivot to one of those picks? Like, would you sell... Would you sell CD Lamb for CD Lamb in a second for the 105 and a first? CD Lamb or AJ mm. Brown? And a second, yeah. so call it a 24 second. And you get the 105, which is going to be JSN plus a 24 first. Yeah, that's two first. And I'm giving up a second, too. Ugh. You're basically shifting the value you hold with Lamb or Brown, and you're turning it into you know the difference mm-hmm. between a first and a second. Yeah. Oh, that one's tough. Oh, man, I th- I think I would do it. Yeah, I think I would take the JSN in the first. Interesting. That's close. I'm not saying it's super close. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I do think that that's and a I big think... process trade from a wide receiver standpoint because all you're betting is that, sure, if A.J. Brown is wide receiver two, then you lost the trade. If he's wide receiver eight and JSN just doesn't bust, you probably won the deal pretty easily. Mm. I think a lot of it has to do, too, with like what you were just saying. Like JSN, the community loves him. Like He's always going to be wanted. Like He's like Drake London last year. Everybody wanted Drake London. Everyone loved Drake London. You know, you got Ray talking him up. Nobody like really wanted Garrett Wilson. I was the only one. Well, not the only one, but one of the only ones out there saying Garrett Wilson's the wide receiver one. Um, I had Jamison Williams wide receiver two. You know, but everyone was all London Burks, London Burks, London Burks. But you know, Garrett Wilson was the best guy. So. It just depends on you know the the name values too. Like everyone's gonna love JSN, like they loved London and they loved Burks. Like those guys are still valuable this year. You can still go and trade Traylon Burks and Drake London, uh, especially like a Traylon Burks who didn't have like the greatest season ever for uh, a rookie. But you could still get a pretty good amount for him. You could probably get any first round pick for him this year that you wanted. Well, outside of the top, you know, five or six. The guy nobody wanted was Alave because, well, they had Jarvis Landry yeah. and Michael Thomas. How is he ever going to get any targets? Yeah, and now he Oops. is wide receiver seven and, and keep trade cut. Yep. So here's a couple just quick fire best ball trades because best ball, obviously, we look at receivers a little bit differently. Guys that were roster cloggers in lineup you would keep in best ball. Mm-hmm. So say you're a, a decent best ball team, playoff team, but you know it's not like you're completely stacked with assets. Are you trading? I'm going to give you four trades and tell me if you would trade any of these guys for a third. Okay. Would you trade Michael Gallup for a third? No, I think I'd still hold him. Okay. Would you trade Zay Jones for a third? Yes. 
Okay, would you trade Nicole Hardman for a third? 35 million times, yes. Okay. And then last one, would you trade Rashid Shahid for a third? Yes, every single day. Okay, so that's kind of the line. Somewhere around like wide receiver 70-ish. Anybody mm-hmm. below there, you'd pretty much consider giving up for thirds, and then anybody above that. So, like, you're not trading the Chase Claypool, Nico Collins. You're not just handing those guys away for thirds. No, probably not. No. It That's been the most fascinating thing to me in best ball is, like, like truthfully, what is the future for Josh Palmer? Like, he's destined to be where he is right now, if not fall out in the next two years, right? Like, re- reality. Yeah, I think what yeah. We, we, I think we've seen his best. Like, he does, that's the best we're going to see of him. He's a, he's a guy that's going to be on a roster for a while, but, like, fantasy-wise, like, his best-case scenario for his career is probably, like, a Zay Jones type, right? Like, where he's yeah. just there, and he's a top 40 receiver maybe a couple times, but... But have you noticed in best ball, if someone has him, they're not willing to sell him even for a pick, because they're like, "Oh, that guy is that guy's useful. I'm not giving you him for mm-hmm. a straight up pick." Like, so how do you, right. how do you buy those types in best ball? Do you almost have to wait until they're ones nobody wants, and then you buy them then? Because as soon as it's like, "Oh man, let me got let me buy that Nico Collins," I try to get Nico Collins, and it's like, "Yeah, man, I need a second. It's right. like, dude, there's 50 Nico Collins. Like, why would I give yeah. you a second for one of them? So I mean, how right. do you how do you go about those in best ball when there's literally fifty receivers in that range of like think, yeah he might make my lineup once or twice? I think you got to find make maybe make like a list of the guys that you're kind of targeting that you like, and then just kind of go down the list like number one, number two, number three, number four. If like you had Collins at number two on your list, okay, maybe I got to pivot down to number three, and my number three is Gallup, and try the same deal for Gallup, and if that gets accepted, then okay, awesome. You know, you got you got accomplished what you wanted. But shouldn't the logic be because there's literally 40 of those guys and there's only a limited number of picks that the value side should be on the pick or because what I've found is this someone looks at that third round pick in a best ball league and they go, damn, now I have to turn that third round pick into something that hits my lineup. In a lineup league, you would sell those a lot of those guys for a third because you can turn the third into a running back, and you don't care if the running back gives you a bunch of zeros. You're drafting the running back for the one chance they can start. You'd rather have the third. But best ball, it feels like, why would I trade one of my 25 assets that could hit my lineup once or twice for a pick that now I have to draft which of Xavier Hutchinson, Jaden Reed, which one of those guys becomes Michael Gallup? You know, like right. it just feels like it's a redundant move. Best ball, you can't do those kind of deals. If a player is seen as you is seen as being useful, no one will sell for thirds. Like thirds don't get anything done in best ball. Maybe that's just my experience. Do you have any different thoughts? No, not really. I think that's pretty pretty good. I think what you hmm. said. Interesting. Yep. Well, I'm just starting with best ball, so maybe it'll change when we get to the season. I haven't played a full season of, like, what, what's your experience in some best ball leagues during the season? Are people willing to sell, like, spot starters and stuff for thirds, or are they harder to get because it's best ball? Um, it, It's a mixed bag. Like, I think it's kind of a, a little bit of everything, yeah. It's not, like... I mean, I like... guess the positive is, in best ball, if your team sucks... 
there mm-hmm. should be a little more of a market to sell your clogger players during the season, right? Because people are always looking yeah. for like filler players to add on their team. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Okay. Well, we're 34 trades in. I don't know if you wanted to do any tight end trades or you had any other receiver trades, but four more before we get out of here. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say one guy that's way too high on here for me is wide receiver 58 is John Mechie. There's probably like 15 to 20 guys below him that I would rather have. So if he's this high and this valued, I'll, I'll sell some John Mechie and pick up Romeo Dubs is uh, below him. Alan Lazard, DJ Chark, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, even Michael Thomas, Kayshawn Boutte, Michael Gallup, Zay Jones, Isaiah Hodgins. I take all these guys over like a John Mechie. So if people are valuing John Mechie that high, I'd go sell him. Yeah, I mean, you hate to be inconsiderate, but, like, he's got an uphill battle to even get on the field. Yeah, you know? and it's a they got another draft pick where they're probably going to consider a wide receiver. They have Nico Collins. They brought in Robert Woods. Like, he's going to have competition no matter what. And, you know, it's going to be basically his rookie season this year. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one where just the, the name people don't really know what they have with – John Mechie, it's like the mystery box. So they they'd rather just have that right. over. They'd rather have I that. I bet if over I that. go if I go to every single league that I have Mechie in and offer him for Dubs or Lazard straight up, I bet you ninety nine percent it gets declined. Yep, agree. But they they just see a new name and they're like, yeah, I'd rather have that over Michael Gallup or Tyler Boyd. Like I'm sick of those guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they just yep. automatically click you know draft on there, and it, it, I'm sure they're telling themselves when they pick that you know, upside, there's a little upside there in, you know, the John Mechie versus whoever else could be there. But yeah, that's right. very interesting that people will put a guy like that up there so high when literally there's a chance that he doesn't play or he's going to, you know, could right. be a struggle for him ever to get back. So, wow. There's some really interesting tight end ones here. Well, we got three trades left. So what tight ends you got? So the one that stands out first was Michael Mayer. Obviously, he's at tight end eight. And the next rookie tight end is Shul, or uh, Dalton Kincaid at tight end 16. Like, if I could just pivot down, like, if you already own the players, like, if I can get Dalton Kincaid for Michael Mayer and get, like, a, a third back on top of it, I'm doing it every day. So that's one. Yeah. Michael Mayer, tight end eight. I mean, here here's my question for you, though. Michael Mayer, and who would you put that's below him? Who would you put above him? Um, I would put Njoku above him. Okay. I would put... I think I would put Dulcich above him. Come on. And that's probably about it. Okay. The but Dulcich yeah, one's I... wild to me. but really? I'll let you have that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean Evan Ingram's got a got a shot, but I just think with Ridley there now and you still have Zay Jones, you got Kirk, like there's gonna be, you know, a little bit of the pie is gonna be taken away from each of those guys to, you know, factor in Calvin Ridley now. So I'm a little bit more down on all three of the, the Jaguars pass catchers just a little bit because I think a little bit is just going to be taken from them. And I don't think it's been factored in yet in in a lot of these ranks. So here's my only pushback. 
Evan Ingram historically is far superior than David and Joku. Mm-hmm. And you can make the same argument for David and Joku. Now they have Elijah Moore. Yep. So I, I, I mean, I kind of see in Joku and Ingram as the one thing that tracks about Ingram is he has a history of commanding targets with multiple right. quarterbacks, multiple offenses, multiple teams. So like, yeah, he might not be what he was last year, tight end five or whatever it was, but like, he's not going to fade away and just get pushed out of the way because Calvin Ridley is there. You know what I mean? So right. I think him and Njoku are in that same tier, but wouldn't, would you trade it? Let's say it's a 1.75 premium. Would you trade that 109 for Evan Ingram or David Njoku? No, I don't think I would. Not right now. If I if I was on the clock and I saw what was there, I could probably consider it. Would you draft Michael Mayer at the 109? Would you take him uh, over Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston if they go in the first round? 1.75. It would depend. 1.75. Uh, I don't know. It depends on landing spots, man. That would be a big landing spot thing for me. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just, you know, you said Njoku over Mayer, and I'm like, well, you know, Mayer's going to kind of go in this range. I don't think you're paying a first for David Njoku right now. No, and, I, and I've and i tried to trade Njoku, and nobody's no buying one's him giving either. you any and, first. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even asking for first. So, yeah, it's it's tough to trade him right now. That That's why I, I, I don't agree with you with the Mayer stuff, just because whether Mayer's as good as Ingram or Njoku is a different then, story, but... Then I think these other rookie tight ends need to come up, like Kincaid needs to come up, and Musgrave needs to come up a little sure. bit. Sure, sure. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm thinking of, because like I just saw the discrepancy between, you know, Mayer and Kincaid, and it's, I don't think it's eight spots. I mean, if you think Kincaid's going in the first round, then I I see no reason why you would put like Cole Komet over him. Oh yeah, yeah, Cole Komet's too high on here. I mean, the biggest the joke on that... here is Chiggy Akonkwo. Come on. Yeah, that's just a name that people like. I think I don't know if you remember our um, episodes during the season, but I mean these two guys have basically switched. Darren Waller and Isaiah Likely, they just flip flop spots basically. Likely was tight end eleven at one point. Now he's at tight end eighteen, and Waller was like down in like the twenties, and now he's tight end nine all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Now, would so. you take David and Joku, Evan Ingram over Darren Waller? Yes, easily. That, that, that's interesting that people are buying right back into Waller for at that price. You know, like because because that's the thing is if you look at Darren Waller and Michael Mayer, they basically have the same value. Mm-hmm. I'm going. No, who is anyone paying a first for Darren Waller? No. So yeah, the, the, I agree with you. You said at the beginning of the show the tight end values are about to get shaken up, not just from the rookie class this year, but. You know, some of the tight ends from last year, I know you're high on Dulcich, but, like, his profile doesn't track as being, like, really much more than what he is. But there's, like, mm-hmm. five or six rookies from last year that are inside the top 20. There's going to be one or two of those that becomes really good. And then a couple of them where you're like, why the hell did we ever value Chiggy Akonkwo at tight end 14? Like, he's not even the starter on his own team. Yep. You know what I mean? I have him. I definitely have him on a few leagues, and, like, maybe I should be go spamming for any second. Like I'll I'll sell them to you for any second. I think the move is to go get Evan Ingram or David and Joku. Like those guys aren't going anywhere. 
what would you what would be the trade like if you give up Chiggy and what to get Ingram or Joku? If it's one point seven five two PPR, you're really giving me Evan Ingram, and I'll give you Chiggy in a second. I would do that. Okay, I I think I agree. Just because I, I, if you're telling me there's a guy in here that can get me two hundred points, it ain't Chiggy Akonkwo. Not on the Titans. Right. Not with his profile. Okay. I'll bet on Evan Ingram getting. 65 catches before I would bet on Chiggy Oconquo surpassing his value. And that's not just a Chiggy thing, but it's the same with Isaiah Likely. I mean, Isaiah Likely with Teddy Bridgewater or Tyler Huntley as the number two tight end. Like, mm. I don't know. Those two profiles just scream, I don't know what people are doing. Because, yeah. and you know what? No, Part no, of the reason is one. there isn't anybody else to put there. Who are you right. going to put over him? Dawson Knox? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I that. There's just nobody else to put there, so it's like, well, shit, we got to draft the tight end. Let me give me that Isaiah Likely. Yep, I agree with you. Well, that's uh, that's 38 trades. I know we kind of didn't like name one, two, three, four, but we actually talked. I tracked him in the chat. 38 trades. Yep. I gotta discussions. Br- I gotta bring up one more guy before we end it. Okay, Eric, it's a bonus. What you got? Give me, give me your thoughts on the newest Cincinnati Bengal, your favorite player in the league. Irv Smith Jr. Okay, real basic thoughts. Nothing changes for Irv Smith in terms of what I thought about him before. He doesn't have a profile that makes me think he's good for fantasy. But I have to root for him because he's on my team. I think the biggest takeaway is he goes from somebody that nobody wanted to now you could squint and say somebody in your league might want him. Mm-hmm. That's the value. The that's the value bump. The value bump isn't always on the Bengals. They don't have any other tight ends. He's got Joe Burrow. Like all those things are good. Do you think you could get a late second for him now he's on the Bengals? Can you get the 210, 211 for him? Who right now, forget about picks. Who would you rather have? Zach Koontz or Irv Smith? Zach Koontz. So I assume Sam Laporta easily. Yep. Laporta easy. It's like where would the where would the rookie line be for you? So obviously you have Mayer, Kincaid, Musgrave, Laporta, Darnell Washington, Zach Coons. Yeah, would would you take Tucker Craft over him? Yep, I'd probably take Tucker Craft. The one that's not on here, maybe Brenton Strange, who I've seen might get third round, you know, go in the third round. Brenton Strange. Would what be about the... what about like Luke Schoonmaker? Decent profile, oh, yeah, but not yeah, great. Yep. Yeah, but I would probably take him too. Okay, what about nine plus Raz score Will Mallory? He's a little small, but you could if so you got the Smith. capital. If you got the capital, I could see it. I mean, I, I'm just looking at the landing spot. It's, it's the Bengals. They don't. Um, but I'm just saying, if you have Irv Smith right now and you're looking at it, okay, he's on the Bengals now. And everybody loves Joe Burrow and all that. You could probably get a 210, 211, 212 in some leagues right now for him. Maybe a Which I third. guarantee you will get a better tight end there. Because you just exactly. named eight, eight rookie tight ends you'd rather have over. Tight end eight's not coming off the board by that pick. So right. guarantee you're getting the better. I'll just say on Irv Smith, nothing changes. But the, the fact that Irv Smith now is a marketable piece in your league, whereas a month ago people would have been like, you might as well cut that guy. That is the value gain. It is you can sell him now. Not that you can sell him for more. You're mm-hmm. lucky if you could get a second for Irv Smith. Probably a third. Okay. But the fact that you can get something. 
is the value gain. So whether you sell or not, that and this is I'm, I'm going to end the show on this. And if you have any final points, you can let me know. But people will look back on a guy like Irv Smith and they'll go, "What a bust!" He has had a hell of a career, full of injuries, disappointment, no production. The most yards he's ever had is like 360 yards in a season. Never had more than 40 catches. So, like, I believe he hasn't had more than 40 catches. So, people will go, oh, he was a bust. He's actually not a bust because you have another chance now to sell. So, if you don't sell and then he fades out of the league and in three years you're literally cutting him because he hasn't been on a team in a year, you're going to go, oh, he was a bust. Yeah, but you had so year. many windows to sell him, and you didn't, and then you're blaming the fact that he was a bust. That That's the biggest difference in analysis and dynasty is players – are only busts when you have no window to get out. If you don't get out and you're like, oh, Irv Smith, I can see where with Burrow, he's bang. There's even Bengals shows that are talking about how Irv Smith might be able to go for like 700, 800 yards. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? You've never even done half of that. Yeah. That's like one of your favorite tight ends. I mean, it's not the same um, athletic score that this guy's athletic score was a lot higher than Irv Smith's. But it, sometimes it takes these second contracts or a second team before they finally blossom. And who who is your favorite tight end that that did that that you owned everywhere like four or five years ago? Everywhere. First round pick, high first round pick. High first round pick. Mm. And everyone considered him a bust, and then he finally went to other teams and started doing a lot better. High first round pick, like in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, Eric Ebron? Yep, Eric Ebron. I mean, he had two good years, but yeah, I mean. I mean, yeah, but everyone was like, oh, but those were bust seasons. Like, he only, whatever it was, 600, 700 yards. Yeah, but you know the funny funny thing is if you look back at Eric Ebron's career, even in Detroit, and you look at his stats, you're like, dude, I would take that now. Right, yeah, we were so greedy back there. Like, oh, this is terrible. This guy sucks. He gets 600 yards and eight touchdowns. You're like, that guy's garbage. Now if you get that as a tight end, you're like, hell yeah. Right, you're doing a fist pump. Yeah. Yeah, uh, let alone the year he went. What what did he have with, didn't he have it with the Colts? He had like 13 touchdowns or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he had a huge year with Indy. That was when he finally busted out, so. Yeah, crazy. All right, America's favorite game, what you got? I didn't really come up with anything until uh, just now, so I'll just go with something. Uh, I don't think we've done this before. Do have we done? Uh, what is your favorite candy? Uh, I no, I don't think we've done. What is what is our favorite candy? No, we haven't. There you go. What's yours? I got to think. I don't even eat candy, but I do really? have a couple I can think of. No. Okay. I am more of a. Uh, I like Skittles. Skittles have always been a, a favorite of mine. Obviously, any Reese's, Reese's Pieces, regular cups. Now with um, the holidays, you know, you uh, Halloween and Easter right now, you'll get the Reese's, like, eggs or the Reese's pumpkins that are uh, built already. So, yeah, those will probably be uh, my two favorites. They're Skittles and Reese's. No black licorice? Hell no. Well, you never know. I would say, for me... This was always my favorite thing to do as a kid, and that's probably how I uh, definitely packed on the pounds when I was younger. But um, Twizzlers. You used to be able to take the Twizzlers, and I would take an entire bag, like the movie theater bag of Twizzlers, 
and I would go and I would cut the edges off all of them, like with a knife. And then I would just drink like straight fountain Coca-Cola with the Twizzlers as a straw. And it would like wear down the Twizzler and then I would just eat the Twizzler and put another one in there. So talk about talk about unhealthy. I'd go and rip like a 48 ounce uh, Coca-Cola and just sip it with Twizzlers and then I would go refill it and do it again. Do it again. It's like probably 400 grams of sugar in a night just literally (laughs) drinking Coca-Cola with Twizzlers. But it was always it was always Twizzlers and then. Halloween, I would always, always have to eat the, uh, like you get the regular chocolate bars and, you know, Milky Ways and Snickers. Uh, but I would always, for some reason, I always love the white chocolate Hershey Kisses. Yep, I love those. So I would, any, any like white chocolate, but especially the Hershey Kisses, yep. I would always just go and eat those first. The ones that came in like the, the lighter wrappers and you could tell which one it is. I would all, I would yeah. just eat all of those first. Like those would be the first thing that I ate. I don't know why, but I always like white chocolate. So anything white chocolate, pretty much. Same here. The Hershey's cookies and cream. Those are really good. I like, Oh yeah. Like the, the spiral ones. Well that, and now they have actual bars of Hershey's cookies yeah. and cream. Um, those ones. I always like those, but yeah, the white chocolate stuff. I love like, um, the Reese's Cups and white chocolate. They have uh, Kit Kats and white chocolate. They have some Twix and, and white chocolate here and there as well. So, yeah, I definitely uh, a fan of those. Underrated one that I've always liked is Fun Dip. You ever have Fun Dip? Yeah, Fun Dips are always good. I always uh, enjoyed those. Not the, the only thing I, I used to hate about Fun Dips is you'd see people eating them and they just constantly, like, put it in their mouth and then dip it back in and I'm like, ugh, no thanks. <laughs> I Gross. don't know. That was always an underrated one for me. I mean, it's not like you're sharing it with, with anybody. If it's just I know, you, I know. so it's not that bad. I, see, you know what? The same thing when I was little, I used to always eat ring pops. You remember those? Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Like, ring I don't know why. I like good. The, 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 there was something about a kid and having a ring pop. Like, you could wear it on your hand and, you know, just bite it when you want or, you know. the su- I like, um... I like the blow pops with the gum in it. I absolutely hate Tootsie Rolls. So, like, any of the blow pops with the Tootsie Rolls in it, I, I won't eat those. But if it has the See, gum I in would, it, I'm down. Yeah, I would never uh, – I could never do well with those because I literally would just – I would eat it and bite it right away. Oh, uh, okay. I'd just bite it and eat it. It'd be like a piece of candy. So I'd just take, I'd just take one and just bite it and chew it up and swallow it and it's over. All right, one one more quick one that I always bought when I was a little kid, when I was like five or six, every time we go to the grocery store. And it was like the worst thing ever because the flavor would last like two chews. Do you remember Fruit Stripe Gum? Mm-hmm. It had like the little uh, this little zebra on it, and they come in yep. like red, yellow, green packaging. It was like a zebra um, or a giraffe was like the... Yeah, uh, a zebra or a giraffe or something like that. I Always on there, I would always have to get a pack of fruit stripe gum uh, whenever I was a kid. And it would last like three chews before the flavor was completely gone on it, but I didn't mm-hmm. care. Yep. So that was nope, another definitely one remember I that. All right, sweet. Good stuff. Yep. Uh, our hour podcast turned into a two-hour episode. <laughs> always does. <laughs> always does. does. Uh, all right. Well, that is it for episode number 38. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL, and you can follow the show at America's Game Pod as well. Me and Scott will be doing um, 
we might be doing a live underdog draft on one of our future podcasts. I don't know if it's going to be next week or the week after, um, but I'd like to sometime this month, maybe before the NFL draft, um, get a live um, underdog draft going. Maybe we'll post it on Twitter and um, anybody who uses our code America's game to sign up um, on underdog, maybe we can get them in the same draft of us draft with us. If we can create one, I don't know how that all that works. I'll have to look into it. Uh, but if we can get 10 people that sign up using our code and you want to be in a, a best ball draft with me and Scott, we'll be more than happy to do that. So maybe we'll look forward to uh, doing that um, this month sometime. And then Scott, what do you got coming up on destination dynasty this week? Uh, you know, this is probably going to be another wild card show. Did a and a show, got a lot of good questions last week. So maybe I'll do another one of those or I'll just come up with uh, probably some sort of strategy or, you know, psychology topic like I did a, like a month ago and just dive into some of that. Because I don't want to say it's a dead period because there's a lot going on, but there's just there's only so many times you can talk about. Okay, the, these leverage trades, or here's what you should be trying to do. Like, I love doing that leverage trade episode, but you know, I could do another five leverage trades, and a lot of the same things are going to be present in those. So, we'll see. I'll come up with something uh, here in a couple days and make sure we get it out on Monday. Nice. I'm still a little bit disappointed in you that you didn't answer my question. If you want to submit the question again, I have a list, a running <laughs> list of questions. But uh, normally when I get questions that are a little cheeky or immature, I don't put those on the show. So It wasn't cheeky or immature. It didn't make the show. Let's just say that. Oh, man. All right. All right. Well, that is it then for this week, guys. And we will catch you for episode number 39 next week. Um.